This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Hey, folks. Welcome to One Nation Radio. Um, there's a lot of stuff between uh, last week's AEW uh, starting pay-per-view, Tokyo Yoshi Pro t- pay-per-view that involved AEW wrestlers. Um, uh, there's a couple other things, small things, and, uh, you know, obviously between us, we can, you know, fill out two, three hours like no one's business. But, like, uh, Rich, where would you like to start? I have a pretty good question, uh, a pretty good idea where you want to start, but where do you want to start? Back to the grill again for Vince McMahon once again. Um, yeah. I can't believe this. Um, well, what's, what's, off, the, what's the new part of this story? Okay. Not to the, say there's not, 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 I don't mean it as like saying like uh, how people like to downplay things by saying stuff already happened before so you should get over it. I mean like what is the new details that I did not read this one? The new part is the outsized money that has come into effect here. Like we're talking um, seven, eight million dollars her an instance there's a wrestler a former wrestler uh that was involved in this wow. uh, with vince i believe i have the um uh, excerpt from the story um here and it was just like i can't believe that well i, I don't want to say i can't believe that it's happened like that but this is actually something that you didn't expect anyone else to go on record or uh you know to to get all this so the excuse me for for one minute as i search for this but um basically the gist of it is you know vince came out here and there are four additional or three additional women i believe that that has come out um and basically have their own stories against Vince, uh, their NDAs. Um, they are going back to the middle of last decade. Uh, I believe John Laronitis was also implicated again. Uh, Vince paid, I think it was $7.5 million for oral sex from this woman, whoever it was. Uh, the way they narrowed it down and describe it in the story, uh, you can come up to come with your own conclusions on who that might be. Uh, I don't think you have to look very far. Um, 
And there have been I've seen people like putting out different interviews with people who departed the company around that time that makes you just put two and two together and be like, it is not hard uh, to find. But I'm not going to, uh, you know, openly speculate on the names here. Yeah. But, I mean, we don't uh, we're not in the business of like, quote unquote, outing victims. Yeah. And uh, you, you just when like Vince kind of like it seemed like the first story was kind of going away. And I think a lot of people wrote that up as, uh, you know, a paralegal and just just one random instance or whatever. A pattern has now developed in this thing. There is somebody that is giving the Wall Street Journal these stories. I yeah. do not believe this is the last one. I believe this is the latest one. And I feel like there this is a um kind of a a pressure a, this is a whoever's like doing this has this shit on vince and wants vince out of there and i feel like they are like all right man i'm gonna drop x amount off until like it just looks so bad for you to continue like quit now or more mm-hmm. is coming and mm-hmm. i i feel like there, there's a leak on the board okay so one thing that I've noticed now that this is the second time there's been a Wall Street Journal um, report on this sort of thing with Vince McMahon and his sexual misconduct in the workplace. I found the excerpt, by the way, too. Yeah, go ahead then. Go ahead. Before I get okay. Going, go ahead. So the previously unreported settlements uh, include a $7.5 million pack with a former wrestler who alleged that Vince McMahon coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and ultimately declined to renew her contract in 2005 after she resisted further sexual encounters. According to people familiar with the matter, the wrestler and her attorney approached McMahon in 2018 and negotiated the payment in return for her silence, the people said. So he was out here getting um, (laughs) shook down. Um, and then in another previously unreported deal, a WWE contractor presented the company with unsolicited nude photos of Mr. McMahon. She received from uh, she reported receiving from him and alleged that he had sexually harassed her on the job, according to people familiar with the woman's 2008 non-disclosure agreement. Vince agreed to pay her roughly one million dollars. These people said. So, wow. yes, um, when you pick up your phone unsolicited, Vince McMahon just sitting there in his glory. Imagine. I didn't want to. <laughs> he just made it. Like, um, fuck. Uh, so, what was I? What was my point? So, okay. So, the, where I was going to get to is like from noticing this story, this report, and then the one one or two weeks ago is that like, both of these have dropped on Fridays. Am I correct? Yes, I, I, I think so. Do you get the feeling this is almost like the same thing, in, you know, in sports where it's like, oh, we just fired our head coach on a Friday at 430. And now um, we report it. And then like pe- real proper news, like it's the weekend. Can't get to wherever you need to ask. People are out of the town, blah, 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 blah. Tr- whatever you need to do, it makes the job harder to try to cover this. And then by the time people actually get to it, it's been multiple days have passed now. And it's the, the news is colder now. Do you get that mm-hmm. feeling or am I, or am I, am I feeling going too far conspiracy with it? I think the, the interesting thing about this is because WWE still, like in the news on a Friday, right? Right, so but like they're dropping have, this like before it can like really af- affect, if you will, like the stock price. That's what I'm really getting at. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, it Some of it does like, like for me, some of it is like, yo, 
they have their biggest show on Fridays. So we want to like put this news out, uh, whoever's doing it possibly. Um, I didn't think of that part. Yeah. So like, if I'm not like, I would have to go back and check when that first story dropped, but I feel like it was a a Wednesday or something because there was, there was some mid tier, not even in the galaxy, AW controversy that just got swept out of the way um, the first time this came up. But I don't remember what it is because, of course, all of them are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as Vince, um, I like I said, if anybody's going to make him walk away from WWE, it's him. But I feel like something is happening right now and I'm here for any conspiracy theory uh, anyone wants to throw. You want to say it's Triple H doing this? I'm willing to listen to you. You want to say it's Nick Khan? Sure. Why not? But um, this whole thing, like, just is like, it's so, so of you're okay with creating their own narrative. Yes. Uh, because, you know, unless you were supposed to say it, yes that quickly, you're supposed to be like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know about this, but you were just like, nah, fuck it. We're already here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, it, <sighs> I feel I feel no sympathy for Vince McMahon. Um, and you know, I don't I, I see people trying to trying to hype up Stephanie McMahon as a replacement. It's like she knows she's in mixed with the shit too. Like this is all a family thing. Like I feel like these these are not new things that are that are being brought to the attention of the inner circle of WWE. Like and if you believe that, I have a bridge you know, and, and beachfront property in Idaho to sell you. <laughs> Speaking of things from two thousand eight, um, so I don't know where to go with this. Like, I mean, it, we're kind of, um, you know, you're talking about it uh, before the weekend started with finish shell. We're kind of like at that, at that spot where it's like, all right. We know that the weird situation with um, the paralegal that got the um, promotion and they basically double or they double the salary after I think Meltzer let it be known that like originally was supposed to be the the salary was going to be tripled and then they said they were like no nah, that's that's too hot that's too and, much and, and then the double still you know rang off some alarms uh as far as his you know whatever wouldn't um, you call that a smoking gun already right there James yeah that's where I'm getting to that like I think um. When Finishell talking to him about it, it was kind of like getting to the point where it's like he was like, "Well, it's not going to be a thing until, um, or it's probably Company not going to be a farms. thing until it's you know it's money that he was supposed to spend being used on this." And it's like, "Well, that's kind of already a case because he he doubled the employee's salary." Um, now we're at a point where it's like, how you know how long before um, NBC Universal and Fox's sponsor said, hey, bro, like, what is this? Like, we are paying you a lot of money to, uh, you know, uh, to put our advertisements between these uh, in these commercial breaks. And we do not want to be associated with this brand because the person at the top is, you know, someone that shouldn't be in, in the music or sorry, in the entertainment industry as of right now. Um, we deem so. um and like that's all what it comes down to. What do what does the money say on this? So like that's kind of where it is on this. Like they already have them dead to rights. Is whether or not they actually want to fire them. And uh, and for and you know and they actually don't want to fire them or or whatever it is to to be able to pull the levers that that cause him to be gone from his own company. 
so I, th- I think that's kind of where we already are. So now it's like, how many more of these stories or how many more of these news drops are going to have to happen uh, in order to either die off and there's no more or he survives or eventually a levers, the levers start getting pulled and he's gone from his own company or he has to divest or whatever. Because um, it's not going to be shame that runs him out. Like, no. <laughs> this is a shameless individual. Right. Um, it's going to be, as you mentioned, the, the money moving in the wrong direction uh, against him or there's going to be like, yo, he's going to bring so much shame to the rest of the company. They're going to be like, they're going to vote him out. And or I don't I don't think they can vote him out. Well, it's whatever he, he lever they have the, to pull to, to get yeah. him actually that they actually have within their power within this contract he signed as the uh, the, the whatever because uh, it was not Sean Ross Sapp. He does it. Oh, Thurston. It was Thurston that they pointed out like when the first story dropped is like no, nah, there's actually something in his paper in his paperwork. You know, <laughs> in his paperwork is allowed him to you know uh, be gone if uh, involving morals. A morals clause, if you will, uh, or misappropriating funds type of thing, and he's already those funds have already been misappropriated. Um, it depends on yeah. whether or not they actually want to, want to do it, you know, because as much money as they've made him, made them, and they already know who they got in bed with, they don't actually want to get rid of them. Yes. Um, yeah. So, like this guy is a just just the scum, like absolute scum terrible human being sex pest uh whatever you want to name it uh that's what this guy is uh i feel like this should always be written about him at this point uh this isn't anything honorable this isn't a for me it is not a so what situation he quote unquote didn't do anything illegal like i don't want to hear none of that shit like i i think people need to learn the definition of the word coerce um and also like I, I I don't know what what type of fantasy world these people are living in like maybe they're living in Vince McMahon's fantasy world where they see like sexual favors being exchanged and then someone deciding like they don't want to participate in that and then you know the retaliation from that like and I know people may think yeah then why they go down that road in the first place well let's talk about Be- power dynamics let's that, talk yeah. about. Let's talk about wanting to get like ahead in that company. And yeah. uh, I think it was Dave that brought this up. It's going to force you to reconsider the pronouns of pronouns. Of, which Dave Melser. OK, um, he basically had said something about, you know, this is going to make you like kind of reconsider the push of every like marginal female uh, performer in WWE like ever at I think he point. also I think he also mentioned like this also was like a thing with any promoter ever that you know like um Barnett from Australia when he was in Georgia and, you know talking about like the wrestlers and you know there's even been you know people have talked about maybe you know what you know people have their ideas of why why Vince loves Shawn Michaels so much as well. There's always that. There's always this stuff for for people always thinking like this person got pushed so clearly there must be going on involving someone getting fucked. That that is very there. I'm sure there's at different points has been uh, truth to it. Other points has been just nonsense or whatever else. But it's a part of this competitive art form slash entertainment industry thing and all how all this stuff gets wrapped up in 
and the people like you know play, you know get into paranoia and thinking you know things are being worked against them or things are being worked in their favor it's always all of that all, all i can together. tell you if you got bret hart on the re- or off the record in 2022 you could get him on the record in like 1999 saying this like you could get him on national television implying that Shawn michaels was barebacking his way to main events there's a promo on youtube right now you can go uh watch and um yeah just just add something else to the sean brett thing which is kind of like a side chapter to this um but yeah i i couldn't be more like revolted by hearing this news and it's just like yuck disgusting like and, and what do you expect like these like like i f- i find like Vince man to be the same type of individual as robert Kraft, as donald trump like it's all the same shit essentially yeah but it's not even like just their their politics it's just like it's so we can get away with anything n- we, we no you know. one man should have all this power like that's what it comes down to. Like when you control or you monopolize more or less an entire industry, these are the th- kind of things you think that you can get away with. And for right. a long ass time, he got away with them. Um, and you know w- whether it's you look at all these other industries, whether it was Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein, like this stuff has been happening, and we even have to like um, reckon with all of this stuff that like these shitty people have done the last few years and like there's gonna be more like uh, you know we had speaking out just you know during the pandemic in 2020 and now there's this and like there's always gonna be a new story of this kind of thing because people can't fucking behave themselves I feel like Vince should get ahead of the game like just get ahead so we're quote unquote no more of these things come out because I mean that could always come out but like if he takes himself out the game now lays it down and like leaves the public eye like it would be better for him i think but as far as what like his legacy no not his legacy but like it's just like bro like like how many if he knows how many of these there are right only he knows at this point and i mean mean, i mean when you're as high as he is do you think he actually kept count Uh, I, I actually, I do think he kept count because he had to pay all these people. I don't think I don't, <laughs> Look, I, there are actual books. <laughs> I get, I get what you're saying. I don't think he's had to pay everyone, every single one of them off. That would, that would make like, if there's been this many people he's been paying, imagine how many people he didn't have to pay because they were True. scared. True. True. Um, I just feel like, like the, the ultimate doors, like. Like it's going to be kicked in, and if he can leave before the, before everyone arrives, better for him. Like, but I I, I don't. Yeah, I just don't it, think that yeah. quitting while you're ahead, if you will, um, for lack of a better phrase, is like anything this man has ever been known for. He think of think of his like obviously his uh, his real life and his booking philosophy are totally different, but like he beats he beats that horse till it's well dead, right. So, you know, I, I I don't think your uh your exit strategy idea isn't uh the worst. I just don't think I but I also think that like you at the same time recognize that that's not happening. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like he okay. he's he's going down with the ship. He kicking and screaming. Shit, he thinks and he is the ship. That's the problem. Look, and the problem is the rest of them think he's the ship. Uh, yeah. the the executives, the board, the the yeah. television companies. And it's like don't you idiots like see like what's going on on Turner Network Television right now? Like like figure it out, man. Like this shit is like like Vince McMahon is not He's not God, man. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but yeah. Um, but yeah, man, um, I guess we should get to the wrestling here. The, the actual stuff. Well, um, well, I think there is one more story that doesn't, that is related to wrestling, but is outside of the television and the cameras. Um, somehow, some way, uh, Jordan Grace ended up in uh ended up in the shit. I forgot uh, about this. Yeah, so I don't have the story in front of me. I just remember the gist of the story is like I saw something about someone uh, had some quotes from her that she that they pulled on. I think an interview. And her her point was she didn't think or or the gist of what was being like the the big quote the big quotes that are or the uh, the gist of the thing of the the headline if you will is like Jordan Grace doesn't think Benoit can hang with top of wrestling in today by today's standards and um, ultimately ultimately you br- looked further into some of her quotes is something along the lines of she thinks due to her his advanced uh, CTE. Uh, that he wouldn't be able to remember uh, spots and sequences, blah, 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 and therefore he would struggle to compete with the top of the rest of the world. Um, so it brought out all sorts of weird things. People come out to, uh, coming out of the woodwork to get on this one. The main thing that I thought was the weirdest thing was like people, the people that hold on to Chris Benoit as if he didn't murder two people before he murdered himself. It's like, hey, like, y'all, look, I understand that y'all still hold that monster dear to your heart, uh, and I can, I can empathize with that when you fall or you you have a fondness for somebody that turns out to do something terrible and you don't want to just throw away everything that was just bad about them, but you also have to come to the wreck to terms with the part where like not everybody's going to feel the same way as you and a lot of people also felt the way you did until they found out about that and like they chose to completely drop their invest with that person because they were hurt that this person that they looked up to or respected or admired or were in, was in awe of did this and was in like it makes you like question yourself the whole time right like uh, it's a it's like the Tiger Woods affair thing uh, with the medication in the golf club in the crash car times a hundred thousand trillion because like someone someone's gone fucking around with him and the only person that got hurt and uh, the physically hurt in that situation was Tiger Woods trying to get away from his wife be- trying to beat the hell out of him but uh, <sighs> so like for me and I'm I'm in that category where it's like. 
Chris Benoit, when I was a kid, was one of those wrestlers where it's like I recognize that he was like better than so many of the other wrestlers I've ever seen or whatever else, or one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen just in the ring. Like, there are people that just stuck out to me in that way. Sean did that. Brett did that. Eddie Guerrero did that. Rey Mysterio did that. Benoit did that. Um, and, like, when I stopped watching wrestling, I was gone from it, and then, like, I found out that, like, he he did that, and, like, it fucked it, I was like, I can't believe this. Like, I never knew that he was this, he was capable of that sort of thing, which you don't know that about anybody, but still. And then, yeah. like, uh, it, but that's kind of where I left off with it. I was kind of, wasn't emotionally a, attached to that thing in that way because, like, I was gone for that period when he was gone and Eddie died too. And, uh, and then, like, the, uh, between the ropes doc that they did on it, like, brought all of that stuff rushing back to me and like all of a sudden like i'm you know 10 or 11 and i remember benoit like you know having matches with ddp and shit right and i'm just like oh my god like i used to love this guy and i just i was like watching that thing just in fucking tears just like and feeling guilty and in tears and it's just just a wave of the shit over and over and over while i'm watching that thing so that's why i am on it so like so when I look at the people that are, they still hold on to, him, I'm just like, Hey man, like I'll look, I, what I used to be one of y'all, but like once that shit happened, I'm done. And like those people that like, that are upset at her is like, y'all got to get a grip because like what this person did was wrong and not, and not something that you're supposed to be like, okay with. Like there are certain people and I, I, I thought murderers were the people that we did this were like, you did you did this thing? Like, we don't really have any, like, kind of redeeming or redemption arcs for you unless this person is still with us to try to redeem themselves. This person ain't here to redeem anything he did or, or um, restitute anything. He, he did this and he's gone. So it, it, I just find it weird. But then but then it turned into a bunch of other stuff. And you, you're probably better at this because I was just like... The Benoit stuff, I hear it, I look at it, and I just base it the piece I just gave y'all is like where I leave off with, and I try to get away from it. So, like, what what was the extra stuff that led to what we saw today? So she did a originally she quote tweeted something, and I th- I guess it just goes with the rule of like there there can be nothing good that comes out of tweeting about Chris Benoit if you talk about you know, what kind of wrestler he was, you know, anything like that, a positive light, the people that like hate his guts are going to come for you. If if you're talking about, you know, him in a negative aspect, the people are going to come for you on like, yo, what about CTE? They're going to start trying to drag you into other conversations uh, that I feel like with Benoit, all these conversations are worthy to be had. Like, especially like knowing more of what I know about CTE. Of course, there's uh, with Benoit, there's other stuff that, hey, he drugged the, the kid as well. He did like extra stuff beyond. Yeah, the he was CTE. like, give, wasn't he giving the kid steroids all for a long, for a, a certain amount of time? Like, and then, yeah. you know, you hear the, the, uh, the, the like documentary. Like CTE doesn't make you do that. Right. And then you see the documentary and it was like, he was also beating on, on Nancy before, you know, before eventually he murdered her too. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. And um, it was just like a, a situation like where Jordan Grace kind of just took the I think she just tried to take the Benoit points of, you know, this is someone that's like perpetually online uh, that rubs some some people normally the wrong way with how she, you know, conducts her her Twitter persona and stuff like that. And then when you add the Benoit stuff in, it's just 
a Molotov cocktail, all the things I described, like her normal social media presence, the the negative aspect, the positive aspect of, you know, people's reverence for him and just a whole thing just like blended up to where she ends up making these points that like, I think a lot of people like, yo, you sound stupid because a, we know he's a, he's someone that a normal person would say, Hey, I know this is a murderer, but also like him, like not being able to hang with the wrestlers. That's just stupid. Fundamentally, fundamentally she's wrong, but like, it's one of those, I don't want to say it's a third rail, but it's like, you step, you step on that booby trap. That's, that's kind of on you. Yeah, like like there are certain things I think I and I think the Benoit stuff is like the Hitler of like the wrestling uh discourse if you will. When you start talking about Benoit, any it can go any direction. Like it can whatever is, you know, out so, there to like, come talking back about, to you so, can come back. So like talking about like Benoit being one of the best wrestlers like this content is ever produced is akin to like talking about like how talking about like how like the the the, the trains always ran on time in, in, in Nazi Germany like uh, <laughs> I, I guess uh, I never really thought about it but I can I can kind of see what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's, like, all, it's like it's like why 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 are we even what was the need to praise praises outside of like just being honest like being honest is one thing like the 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 people the way like the over the top praise thing is if like he's Pat Tillman like dying from, from friendly fire. Like he was uh, a tragic like, figure. Like, no, no, he's not a tragic figure. It, it, like no, he, he's tra- he's a tragic figure in the sense of like what the fuck happened to his family. But as far as him, fuck him. Yeah, and and I think T Mess brings up um, a good quote. He said, "The dude's brain was Swiss cheese by the time he died. What good does talking about whether or not he be, he be able to hang or?" What good does talking about whether or not he'd be able to hang with guys today do? Like, like it's like, huh? It's like, like obviously you can take a cheap shot at Benoit if you want. Like you could have just said, "I hate Chris Benoit. He's a murderer." You didn't that, have to try to use his wrestling. To nobody do it. comes at you once you say it like that, neither. Right. Like she could have like no context said, uh, retweeted on whoever was like and be like fuck chris benoit like i hate him or something like that and it would have been like oh okay and then (laughs) you know but she's like tried to she tried to be cute with it and and what happened was you know that shit blew up and it's cost her five thousand dollars now essentially for for this there's no room for this like on social media for nuance when it comes to chris benoit or this sort of thing like a hundred like what is it 140 characters like 120 or, or 280 characters ain't enough for this Enough. Um, so yeah, like fast forward to today, and she puts out a tweet, and you know she's in the message apps. She posts the the tweet, which is like, oh god. Uh, find out that she donated uh, a sum. I think you said five thousand dollars to. Um, and Chavo had got on her publicly on Twitter a couple of days ago. This is important really? because she mentioned Chavo in this thing, and he was like, "I lost a lot of respect for you when you when you started talking like this." And I feel like. Like I, some like someone tapped her on the shoulder, the big homies of the wrestling industry, and was like, "No, you you can't do this." Like and huh. like like a conversation was had and was like, "Yo, like you're playing around with your future in this business." And what? Look, the lesson: never tweet. <laughs> Never be the main character on Twitter. Like, this shit costs her five thousand dollars. 
and, and she's getting um you know she's she's uh donating 5k and uh, she made it seem like it was Jericho and um, uh, Chavo would be matching it as well as David Benoit's son. She hopped on IG live or excuse me, Chris Benoit's son, David. She hopped on IG live with David. Uh, okay. And it's just like, it's a lot, man. Like, yeah. and then she apologized for, for pretty much everything. And then um, Nancy's sister Started tweeting about it and, and going in on Jordan Grace today. Oh, shit, what did she have to say, man? Um, Which whatever she says probably right like rifle is like. Wait a second, you said fuck Manalas, now you're doing like you know donating chi- donating funds to a charity. She's and, like, and, what about my sister? Like, yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah, yeah. See, like that's ain't a way to win. Like, there's no, like, no. there's no way to win talking about Chris Benoit on the internet. And, and someone's no. probably going to clip this or whatever. Like, I don't intend to make this a, a YouTube segment hey, or something like this. Hey, but guess what? I'm, n- uh, until the next Chris Benoit fiasco happens, I'm never talking about Chris Benoit Bro, again. We, so have we've at it. We've never talked about Chris Benoit on this show. I think we did on uh, when the, uh, briefly, the podcast, or the, I'm sorry, the documentary came out. Yeah. Right. And I went to basically, what I described as far as my, my, my just a spiral of guilt and, and tears watching it. But like, yeah, that's, but outside of that, we don't talk about that. Cause it wasn't need for he's, he's dead and gone. Uh, yeah. So he murdered Sandra people on the way out. Sandra Tofaloni said it's weird because she, she retweeted the Jordan Grace thing. She's like, it's weird. I didn't hear my phone ring. I really thought, you know, the work that I've been putting in the last 15 years trying to keep and elevate my sister's legacy hadn't gone unnoticed. Guess my family's an afterthought again. I don't know where to fucking start. Um, she says she begged for her to be mentioned three days ago and was still left out. Um, and, you know, she said, I'm going to go on with a hot take of my own. Uh, say her fucking name. Uh, my sister's the one who is a goddamn goat. Uh, we're an afterthought, but this person, this devastates one person most, and that's me, and it's me. And then people were explaining to her, like, you know, trying to say Jordan Grace doesn't really care about your sister, it's more about dunking on Benoit. Da, 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 da. There's y'all can go find it, but um, <sighs> there can be no this can all be avoided if by not being perpetually online, taking the low hanging Benoit fruit lesson, hopefully learned the fruits rotten. All right. So, uh, I think now it's time for actual wrestling, actual wrestling. Yay. Yeah. Uh, so AEW this week, um, we had a Eddie Kingston match on rampage. That was awesome. Uh, versus Takeshita. Indeed. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what else did we have? What else do we have? Uh, Ruby Soho getting, getting her arm broken, and th- I think broken by um, by Tay Um I'm trying to think where, I don't even know where to start, where to begin with AEW this week. It feels like that was like two, three weeks ago as opposed to just seven days ago. Yes. Time um, time is, is moving in different paces for me right now. Um, so I am pulling up the, uh, the card here. Um, like, um, well, oh, the opener was Warlow winning the, the TNT title. I know that much at least. Now, indeed. That, now that you mention it. So, uh, yeah, they were in Rochester, New York. Um, 
And this was uh, Scorpio Sky defending the TNT title against Wardlow. Uh, of course, all the American top team goons were outside. Scorpio Sky kind of been nursing uh, injury. Looks like that's kind of the reason they did it like this. Uh, they had all these other guys flying around. He kind of worked like what he could. He kept it short. Uh, but this was all about Wardlow. This was a coronation. Um, I think a lot of people were seeing this as saving the TNT championship. Um, Wardlow's really hot. He got a real great reaction. Rochester's kind of a weird crowd, um, I would say. Um, I remember uh, when they first like went there last time, and it was just like they were they were doing the what chance. Like this was like one of the first crowds that didn't seem like it acted like a traditional AW crowd. So uh, this was their second time there. And they, uh, you know, Warlow gets a win, picks up the TNT title. Sky does the job, clean the middle, four power bombs, foot on the chest. Uh, so I'm sure that gained him uh, some points uh, backstage. But this, you know, th- this wasn't necessarily about Scorpio Sky. This was uh, getting this shit on Warlow while he's hot. And uh, I, I'm e- eager to see what Warlow does with it. Same here. Uh, this is a good place for him right now. Um, I, I I'm interested to see what his ta- next you know first title challenges are that sort of thing and like where he builds to for as far as a program for a, you know, a proper challenger on like a pay per view or but then again or a big let's say a big dynamite because they don't really do <laughs> silly me I forgot they don't really do. Uh, TNT title defenses on pay-per-view, but um, yeah, it's really interesting to see where he goes from here. Um, He's starting with Orange Cassidy. On Fighter Fest week two, right? Uh, I think it is this week. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, there you have it. Like, Because, um, I mean, they, they've given Warlow, not Warlow, they've given Orange Cassidy a couple wins after um, Forbidden Door. Uh, like beating Ethan Page. Yeah, who did he beat this week? Tony Nese. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so that'll be interesting interesting to see Orange Cassidy and Warlow. <laughs> because you know it's gonna you know it's, you know it's gonna eventually be good, but you're just like the awkwardness of like the start of how are they gonna get the comedy over to make the Orange Cassidy thing work and like uh you know, are they gonna overdo with, with Warlow being so, you know, uh big so much bigger and stronger than him that like it's gonna feel like bullying and the crowd gets behind Orange Cassie when it's like that's not the point of really doing this and now it's like now I'm thinking I about am it. kind of perplexed. It's interesting to see how this goes. it's interesting to see how this goes. Like maybe uh maybe best friends and Dan House and he just come out and like, you know, try to cheat for Orange Cassie to get to keep get Warlow some uh you know, keep him from getting turned on or something like that. I don't know. And I'm kind of perplexed again. I'm like, so what is this shit? Like, you crown a babyface champion, then you want to stick him against, like, more babyfaces. Like, why do you keep doing this, Tony? Is this, like, just, like, a thing you do? Like, this is, like, what was going on with Hangman or very popular people he's facing. It's like, find a heel. Like, that's what like, they I... They don't really have any because one of them took his ball and went fucking home for a work shoot. Yeah. Um... Yeah, not, I, I, I'm not like I saw the match on paper and I was like, that's interesting. Well, why the fuck are they doing that? Like, that's, <laughs> you know, my thought like, but um, shit, like, like, how about I don't know, like, you know, I, I would have to pull up the roster to see like who else they, they could have put in that position, but had to be somebody. They, they got they got tons of people. So um, after that, uh, Smart Mark Sterling was backstage with Tony Nese, who was trying to get uh, Swerve removed from the roster uh, for being a snake. 
and he he's with Keith Lee, and said he refused did, to sign it. I have a question. So, what did Swerve do uh, to one of Mark Sterling's clients to where Mark Sterling is now filling this out? I may have just missed it or forgotten it. I, I missed this, but I guess he's just, you know... I don't know. He's starting this whole thing, but he's swerving he's, people on T like he's swerving people on during battle Royals. Therefore he's a snake and he must be ridded. must be, uh, they must rid themselves of him from the locker room. He's that bad of a, of a toxic presence in the, in the culture of, in the fabric of AEW. It's, it's amazing. Like, uh, uh th- this is police activity to me or police adjacent activity, uh, that Ricky Starks and powerhouse house were exhibiting. Cause they, they immediately signed, uh, this thing or whatever. Keith Lee did not sign this thing. Um, and we're, we're going to keep going from there. We got Christian Cage. No, 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 no. Let's go back there for a second. Like, look, even if Keith Lee wanted to, he can't sign that on TV. Like the, the way, look, <laughs> You know how you always talk about he's too smart for his own good. You know how when you when you when you're big and you're black and you do smart for your own good and you do something like that, they start they start they start coming out the woodwork, start calling you, they start calling you things that uh that begin with uncle. <laughs> they call you all sorts of sellouts in you know in four letter one syllable words that start with C and end with N. <laughs> so. So, so no, like even his character, like I remember, uh, I think it was Rick Barry said that he had talked to Shaq and said, Shaq, if you shot free throws underhanded, like you would make so much more than if you tried it like over the top. And yes. then he said, like Shaq said something on the lines like that doesn't play to my constituency. Like Keith Lee, <laughs> Keith like Keith Lee, like being a sellout does not sell out, does not sell to his constituency. So he's like, it is in kayfabe. He's like, can't no, do it. ain't doing it, ain't doing it. He ain't done can't, nothing to deserve do this yet. But I do enjoy, like, you know, he called, you know, uh, Swerve is saying that he is like, you know, they're shacking Kobe and like he's doing all the Kobe, the young Kobe behavior of just being like, is he? Do I should I trust this guy? <laughs> Is he an asshole? I don't know. I guess we'll find out soon enough. This is good. I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Um, Christian, a flamethrower. Oh this God. man um, is in the ring. And he said, you know, y'all want to know answers. Y'all want to know about Luchasaurus. Then all of a sudden, Matt Hardy's music started going off. Um, Matt was basically like, Christian, you're unreal. I'll be honest. Jungboy was my friend. Uh, Jungboy trusted you. He respected you. And he, he originally was the one that said, Christian Cage was not to be trusted months ago. Um, yeah, but that's it, also when Matt Hardy was like a sucker and Christian was the good guy. True. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, the, the, the dynamic has changed now, but, you know, I, there's, there's long reason, been reasons for like the, the Christians or actually when, when Christian and Edge were considered brothers, what was their last name? Did they have one? They did not have a last okay. name. So the vampires and the Hardys have always had a reason to be distrustful of each other for decades. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't trust no nobody with, with no last name. So, um, especially what? like or brothers with no last, like a family with no last name. Like, okay. like, huh? Like, like, what is that? But I was about um, to say, like, wait, you don't trust Prince? It was like, why would you trust Prince? <laughs> He says, um, so, you know, uh, you screwed Jungle Boy. He didn't deserve that. Christian uh, then basically said, 
you know, you you can't pretend you're close friends with Jungle Boy. Uh, you know, you're making your brother sound like the sober one. Uh, Matt says Cage was using uh, Luchasaurus by trying to make as much money as he can. Um, and then which he did that with Private Party. Uh, he says, you know, by a strange twist of fate that his life has been a mess this past month. And he's making sure nobody gets taken advantage of. Then Christian just like blacks out. He's like, look, Matt, you're a clout chaser uh, and you can't stay stand your name not being in the headlines. You use your wife, your father-in-law, a boat or turning a blind eye to your brother's issues for one last run. Case uh, said he's the hottest and most influential star in AEW and Matt just wants to be near him. He then said Jeff isn't the most embarrassing thing to the family. He is. Um, and he said, you know, the time for talking is over. And then they, you know, they attacked him two on one. Luchasaurus beat his ass, put him through a table, fuck him up. Um, yeah. And yeah. Now, it was funny that he mentioned the dilapidated boat because, like, I think last week was like a I think I saw on Twitter it was like a either what, a four or five year anniversary of like one of those deletions that involved the oh a dilapidated boat like I already I, I bro you watched that you're just like yo like it how was did awful. this work it was awful then it's somehow worse now <laughs> <laughs> and it got him over it's like what the fuck like. Yo. Like it's so like wrestling, American pro wrestling. Like I can't even say anything. I can't even say American pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is so fucking weird on what works and what doesn't. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just this somebody's. It's all about timing. It's timing more than yep. anything else. If something right. makes sense, then it worked. Whatever. Like if if it sucked, it'll get like a cult following. Regardless, it's so weird. If enough time passes, anything will become underrated. Yeah. Um, Christian using Jeff Hardy's issues in the promo, um, kind of like something that, uh, you know, that has been attached to Jeff for years, like WWE's done storylines about it. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily this is just like, Hey, this is some, a guy mentioned a promo. Of course they don't kind of write their promos for them. So I can't directly like point the finger at TK, but there was some type of combo. I, one would assume was had with Matt and, and Jeff. Yeah. Um, I assume like these guys, they've been in wrestling for years and years. They know what it is at this point. Um, it's not like they were actually making him take sobriety tests on television or he was pretending to crash a car on television. Uh, I think that would be a step too far. Uh, the heel said something really mean designed to make you uncomfortable here, I think. But Christian is uh, gaining quite a following these past couple weeks. So he's a, he's a best promo nominee now, right? After these three weeks or so, something like that. It's been two, three weeks. There's so many good promos. I, I can't just like no, no, it I'm, on I'm, there. Well, it, it, it's going to continue. And it's almost like uh, Lost Ones Jay-Z. We talked about it with Sasha Banks and uh, Nicki Minaj. Sasha Banks and um, Naomi leaving WWE or, you know, whatever. Dropping those those, uh, belts on the table and walking away. And, like, their ideas, they can replace Sasha Banks. And people are like, okay, make another hole. And it's like... MJF told Tony Khan, okay, make another MJF. And he was like, okay. <laughs> you ain't said nothing, bitch. I'm, I'm, I'm 
will pull this attitude hair ass C-level wrestler up and I will let him just do what you do. Except when it's in a fucking black turtleneck every single week. And it's been fucking hilarious. Because it's like, this is like what MJF would do. He's just been a, an edgelord insult comic. Just, just uh, lambasting people. Like, out, just with, like, uh, flat out, like, fighting words and then never fighting. Like, yes. He is now MJF. When, when are we going to see Christian Russell again? Who knows? Maybe the pay-per-view. Maybe the pay-per-view. I believe MJF has done a grand total of four matches this year. So That's what I'm um, getting at. Talk shit and leave. Russell, why? For who? Um, yeah, so after that, Jake Hager and Claudio Castanoli were face-to-face. Uh, Hager says he knows his former partner. He knows he's not as hard as him. He's not as rock hard uh, as, as the big hoss, Jake you Hager. You have to do this. <laughs> Um, he said that he would never be a world champion. Not that you weren't one in WWE, you weren't one in ROH, and he wants his respect. Um, uh, Claudio said, uh, anyone who doesn't deserve respect, uh, excuse me, he said, anyone who says that doesn't deserve respect at all. He points out what he's uh done in AW so far. He said, next week he's gonna be three and oh, uh, and he got a good promo here. Uh, yeah, he, so did Hager. I'm, I'm kind of excited for this match. Yeah, I think here. his response was something along the lines of like, I think he called him like a bad boy for Jericho or something like that. Yeah, and it was like, watching this, I was like, oh, those are two guys that they say they couldn't talk. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like, obviously, this is backstage or whatever else, but like, they got, and now obviously they have a history with each other, but like, they could have done this in WWE. So they made that match for <clears throat> next week. So that'll be. Interesting. Uh, we had Butcher and the Blade against hey, Keith Lee if and Cesaro, Swerve. Look, if Cesaro can't get none out of Hager, he just got a he just got a only wrestling in uh, tag matches from here on out. He can't never be in nothing with less than four people in it. Is that fair? Look, I'm not clamoring for singles Jake Hager matches. So, but you get where I'm getting at. Like it, it they got look. They have the history together. People know them. They're they're linked in their wrestling history. They said mean thing, insulting things to each other that should be get on either other skin because they know each other so well. So that everything's set. Only thing left is for the bell to ring. If the, the bell rings and it ain't working between the two bells, then we're then we're kind of done here as a singles wrestler. <laughs> Not that he wrestles as a single that much much anymore anyway, but like at this point, like only bring look, give him the Brock Lesnar schedule. Like Brock Lesnar only comes out for like WrestleMania Summer Slams. Give him the thing where he only comes out for Blood and Guts and for uh. Anarchy in the arena slash uh, stadium I, stampede. He I think he does that already. Make it official. <laughs> um, Butcher to blade. Hire him per date. Stupid. <laughs> um, Lee and Swerve. Uh, I thought this was at the beginning. This man, something was off. There was a lot of timing issues. I thought um, there was. Oh like, yeah, messing stuff up, saving saving spots. Yeah, like uh, and then Swerve. towards the end, it, it all kind of came together towards the end. But uh, a lot of this match was a struggle. It was like Swerve went for uh, or there was a leapfrog or something. Swerve went for a leapfrog and he jumped way too early for some reason. Uh, and I don't know if because um, obviously it's based off speed and pacing, whatever else. And I don't know if um, the blade like slowed down or whatever the fuck happened. But basically like. Swerve jumped in like in uh, Blade saw that he wasn't gonna get 
uh, through, so he tried to duck underneath, and he still ended up, you know, the, uh, the tunnel basically came crashed down on top of him, and then they were, from there, they were, like, basically playing catch-up for a good chunk of the match, trying to get themselves back on uh, on program, and then by the end of it, they had that, you know, a great closing stretch. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like Butcher was struggling in particular, like, after it was just, like, just nothing was going right for him. It was just, like, yeah. a bad night at the office, but... Um, as you mentioned, they did get a hot closing uh, sequence out of it, um, and they, they set up the uh, finish really nicely. Like, they were just kind of in the corner, what it felt like naturally, and um, they put away um, Blade um, with the with the finisher there. Yeah, the then, double or the top rope foot stomp powerbomb combination. Yep. So after that, uh, Hobbs, you know, their music's playing. Then Hobbs and Stark storm out. This is still going. Um, <laughs> and Hobbs is saying he's tired of being disrespected. Starks is like, you know, he starts trying to do his junior Ric Flair uh, routine. Um, he's like, you two want to act like you're somebody. You're not on our level. You're several levels below us. Uh, here's the deal. You want to talk about who the best tag team is. Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, Super Kick Party, the Young Bucks music his, hits. After that, Matt Jackson said, hey, guys, great match. You know, the tag division's on fire. Everybody's eating well, but don't forget who set the table in the first place. Uh, then promo god Nick Jackson hops on the mic and says, uh, you two teams are very good. You know, at double or nothing, you guys had a hell of a match. Four and a half stars, uh, but you couldn't get the job done. You know, that's a regular night for the Young Bucks, that, or that's an off night for the Young Bucks. Uh, he said, you know, uh, you guys couldn't get the job done. Jurassic Express beat you guys. And guess who beat Jurassic Express? And then that's us. And then Matt's like, hey, next week, how about triple or nothing? Uh, let's all run it, essentially. So a uh, lot of FTR chance during this whole thing because they, they have you. Go ahead and tell them, James. Yeah. Like they are holding off the match because that is the big match. You're not outsmarting them. They're doing that on purpose to get you to want the match even more. Very similar to when they gave the beat down to uh, Hangman after that that five way match to get the title shot uh, in the summer of last year, where they beat they, they they beat him and then they whooped his ass and sent him away for months or like a month or months, whichever one it was. Like it's the same thing. They have you enjoy the ride when you get when FTR beats them for like. Seven different world tag titles. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Yeah. We talked about this like uh, two, three weeks ago. It's even more obvious. That's where they're headed now. Right. Um. So we we got a triple threat match or three way dance set up between uh the Bucks, uh, Swerving Our Glory, and Hobbs and Starks. It's 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 almost guaranteed. There's gonna be another one of those WCW triangle matches, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I would imagine. Um, this should be excellent. Um, <laughs> you sub out Jurassic Express and from the pay-per-view, and then you add in uh, the Bucks. Uh, I'll say this. like There will be, like if there are any uh, questions about the ring work of a Starks or a Hobbs, like, uh, this will be the last time to silence anyone that may have a negative opinion of them if, it doesn't, if they don't hold up their end. I think they will be out in the cold with no blanket. I, I would say, uh, because it's not going to be anybody else's uh, issue there. But yeah. um, as far as like, I, I'm very interested to see Swerve and Lee in there with the Bucks. I think that's a, I would have kind of preferred that to be the single, just two on two tag match. Um, yeah, but 
it, it it feels like that would have been a cool match to have if like there actually plans on Swerve and Keith Lee being together for real long term. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt like this was uh they were on borrowed time together. Mm-hmm. Like so we'll see how they deploy them eventually whenever they eventually separate, but I never thought they were gonna be together for like two years or a year and a half. I just never got that feeling. Yeah. Um I'm interested to see see which way the finish goes. Is this like because I feel like we, we still have to get to the two on two match of like Hobbs and Starks and uh Swerve you and had Lee. One of those, right? They've only done one after all this time. So uh I I feel like obviously the Bucks slide out the door with the back with the titles, the back door. Yeah. And it's just who gets pinned this time. Like last time in the three way match, Swerve got pinned. So like, does Ricky get pinned this time? Like, oh, why do I this, feel like Hobbs go is more likely to get pinned than 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 uh, Starks? He could, he could. Um, and it could be basically. I th- I, I think like the like basically Lee and Swerve will have him dead to rights, and then like the Bucks will swoop in, and something will happen. But um, that's just my prediction. But after that, we had Eddie, Eddie Kingston was interviewed by Tony Schiavone. He said, before we get to Jericho, Warlow, congratulations. Uh, congratulations to everyone on the team. You know, one blood and guts, even you, Claudio. Uh, he said, Chris Jericho, you made me a liar. I didn't taste your blood. You didn't bleed. Um, you know, it showed the wizard backstage, uh, and he kind of cut him off. Uh, he said, Kingston, you want to taste my blood? Let me show you how crazy I can get. And then Ty Conti was standing there. Um, Ruby Soho was kind of hunched over and Jericho was like, basically sure. And then they, they slam Ruby's arm, um, in the, the vehicle. And then they leave her just kind of, you know, in the middle of the road to die essentially and scoot off. So, and it also brings back, uh, memories of when, um, Hager broke, uh, Dustin's arm in 2018 2019 during yeah. the Cody Jericho thing. Only thing, like, there was no, I don't think there was a cigar in this situation. That would have been hilarious if Jericho, like, remembered that and it was like, this is what I do. I get, I break people you love's arms and I, I roll up a pack on them. Uh, or fire Can't do that. TNT is not with the smoking. That's like one of the few things. So, you know, like, people think all these, like, Discovery has all these strict things and TNT has all these strict things that they can't do like, hey, they can't bleed. They can't, you know, do these dangerous things. It's like, nah, the only thing they never got in trouble for is smoking <laughs> and the pizza cutter thing. That's okay. it. That makes sense because, like, there are a lot of TV shows um, where there is a our, our characters don't smoke thing, right? But, uh, all right, so... So my question for you, when you first watched it, what do you think Ruby was going for? Was she like, she was dazed and she was trying to find like, uh, and she was trying to basically like find like some type of balance like against the car because she was staggered or she just got up and decided to stick her hand in the fucking car because it looked a lot like she was sticking, sticking her hand in the car but I, I'm I'm trying to leave I'm trying to give artists interpretation of what it looks like to like your stammer standard or stammered in like stammering that's the word I'm going for you're stammering you're trying to find your balance in you're trying, trying to reach for anything and then oh you stuck your hand in there and catch it but it didn't look like it was well acted 
Yeah, I, I thought it was a case of like I, I just assumed like Ty Conte had already like done a number on her and mm-hmm. she was like staggered. So okay. like that's that's what I took it as. Like I okay. I don't know if I like was paying attention that closely. I, I saw a lot of people like saying looked, this looked, looked really so, bad. It, it looked so awkward. I was like, it, this just has to be where like she just her interpretation of what she was going for. It it it, it didn't it didn't come out in the wash in the way that you would hope. Yeah. Um, Either way, um, she got her arm like slammed on this thing, kind of drives home this connection between Ruby and Eddie Kingston um, and, you know, further moves that along. So uh, interested to see where it goes. They later announced um, a barbed wire. I forgot what the fuck they call it, a barbed wire massacre match or something like that. Yeah, Um, they announced it on Rampage, right? Yeah, I don't think it's this week. It's going to be next week. So, um, yeah, and also it's like uh, it's another Jerichoism of people being up in a cage. Yes, with a shark cage, and then Shark Week or some shit. So like it's it's all blending together here. So after that, we had the Dark Order out in the ring. Um, as I mentioned, they were in Rochester. Uh, fans were chanting Brody, Brody, Brody. Of course, home of Brody Lee. Um, Silver's like, you know, the Dark Order is in, you know, Rochester. Rochester's Dark Order country. Evil Uno says we have very important news. This is coming fresh off the news that uh, Alan Angel's no longer with the promotion. Um, I guess we should mention that. So um, Alan Angel's, I believe they offered him to resign. He said, nah, essentially because like he wants to get out there and make himself a bigger name. Wasn't like they were really using him like that. Uh, and looking at the landscape, it's like he just wasn't going to get an opportunity at this point. And um, that kind of stinks. Like I think, Um, and you know, it's that unfortunate side effect. I think guys, um, you know, in his situation, it was really smart to come into AEW when he did. Uh, Obviously there was a pandemic, couldn't wrestle anywhere. Now he can, you know, use whatever like kind of cloud he gained uh, from AW to roll into other places. I know he's booked all over the place. He did Impact last week. Had a match with Speedball Mike Bailey. Really enjoyed that. Uh, I really like Speedball Mike Bailey a lot. Um, he's someone that I will be following closely. From what uh, I heard, he's, he's like a most outstanding wrestler contender this year so far. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, and I see it like <laughs> like he's an assassin with defeat, got all the flips. Uh, he's, he's, he's awesome. Um, and uh, but back to Alan Angel's case. So like the you know, he leaves and that opens up a lot of discourse and stuff like that. And I was um, I was pretty like, you know, I, I, I feel like a, uh, I, I'm going to follow Alan Angel's career simply because of how he came onto the national spotlight, like with Kenny and stuff like that. that I, I just want to see what happens. Is that to the this only guy. reason? Um, yeah, I would say so. And, and you know, he's uh, he's got his own, you know, talent and everything. But uh, like, I'm like, I feel like he's kind of linked, you know, well, with, I, with this guy. I, I thought it was kind of on some like on some, you know, some along with that. It's also like the extra fuck right and sad energy. Like, <laughs> I thought that, I thought that was gonna come apart because it's like, bro. I mean, it kind of goes with that. Like the the the, the, the like and I don't even necessarily I don't even necessarily think you like uh, hate Ryan Sanders. Think he I just think he. Th- just like I do, think he said something that was really dumb, yeah. right? And it was like, and then he doubled down on. People were like, "Nah, bro, you're wrong on this. Like, this happens in all the wrestling outside of WWE. Of like people taking people a little bit longer than uh, five minutes or whatever else. And then like also he, you know, he thought that Kenny Omega's finishing move was a V trigger when it's not. So it's like, nah, man. 
No. Yeah. Um, so they they did end up, uh, you know, him and Kenny, they had two matches uh, in AEW. And the second one was like, you know, like a six minute match. And then I think Kenny gave him more the next time. And um, I remember that because that was like, I think his last TV match that he did before he went away. And I was like, man, it looks like Kenny got his springs back a little bit. And uh, Alan Ames, that was kind of like, I think that may have been the last time we got to see him and you know on the the main show mm-hmm. and i don't know man it, it, it stinks and a little bit and i want to get back to this dark order segment i'm seeing these guys in the ring and i'm like they they basically say yo um the six of us are here to stay and dark order is forever and we begin a new chapter and a new chapter begins with a new proclamation they give the mic negative one and then i'm like man this is a really tough segment to to kind of take because it's like, yo, these these guys have been starting to get eliminated. Like Cole's not around. Uh, this guy, uh, Alan Angel, is not here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only six of them there. And it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, and then the a their leader died. And then I was like, man, the day that this is not a thing, if that ever happens, <clears> which <throat> it looks like, <laughs> there's a great could. chance it won't be. Yeah. People are going to be really like, like people are going to be hurt by this. Like that, this is like, and I don't know if this is their uh, their parasocial relationship with the promotion and AW and like the like forming these connections with these people watching these vlogs and stuff like that. It's just like I, I just took it away. I was like, people are going to be devastated when this doesn't exist anymore because I feel like it's coming. Okay, so I, I I'm with you. I'm just right now um, looking up the definition of parasocial because I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> I ain't heard that one before. You, you got me good with that one, bitch. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> uh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. Now don't call the speed now because you have to, you had left me in the dust for a minute. Um, yeah, I I, I get it. Um, I guess maybe I think because uh, I'm I'm not nearly as um, committed to AEW through like stuff like BTE or watching Dark like outside like the first few episodes of it um, or something like Dark Elevation to where like uh, or the vlogs uh, outside like the you know the clips of something you know funny or interesting or felt like it's gonna lead to something being on the television. I haven't really I got the bond uh, that that people will have in that way with um, Dark Order because like they were a huge staple of BTE. So um, it I I get I get exactly what you mean. It just I guess maybe I'm fortunate enough to where like I didn't um, invest in that way. So like I'm probably going to avoid that. But I absolutely get what you're saying because like um, they you know. They were dead to rights until Brody showed up. They, I mean, it wasn't as bad as the Nightmare Collective, but it was like, okay, so like, is this an incel cult thing? The fuck is this? This kind of stinks. And then Brody shows up and he's doing the this man like parody stuff, and that's interesting. And then he's like, you know, he's. Bull- <laughs> He's bullying out John Silver and it's fucking hilarious. And he's squashing people in this fun. And then the you know, he wins the TNT title from Cody by squashing him and then they bring out Anna Jay as the Queen Slayer and she chokes out 
um, Brandy, and it felt like they had a lot of steam to them, and it kind it, it very much saved the act. And then you know, like as soon as it got hot, like that's as fast as it, as Brody was off TV. Um, like I can't remember, did he even have a match after the match with uh with Moxie for the title? Was that his last match? His last match was with Cody for the title in that dog collar match. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. So, um. It was this thing where it's like it was it wasn't working. The person that that made it work is gone now. It's like, and you know, and for a while they were getting a lot of um, steam out of uh, the Adam Page thing, and it gave uh, a lot. You know, at a time where Adam Page needed um, friends, he was their friend. At a time when they needed a leader, he they used him as a leader, and without him actually officially becoming the leader of uh, Dark Order, they were friends, and like everybody enjoys, and it's fond of that of their friendship when they're on screen and all that kind of stuff. We always enjoy when you know they both make saves for each other, and even you know a couple weeks ago when Silver and and Page teased everyone eliminate each other in uh in uh that over the top rope battle royal, um that was fun, uh, but I don't know how long. I don't, but I don't know what their use is now at this stage in the game in AEW outside of Adam Page at this point. And like, if they want to do a, you know, Adam Page and John Silver and Evil Uno as a trios match for the trio stuff, I'm all for it. Or if you want to, you know, still do Silver and Reynolds as, you know, a team that gets the wins on. Um, on dark, and then might get one win every so every blue moon, or win a battle a tag team battle royal to face the young bucks or whoever else are the tag team champions, and eventually lose. Cool, but as far as kind of the space they occupied, I feel like that turf's kind of been taken up by a bunch of different places from from a bunch of different people. In different ways, right? Like Swerve came in, uh, Red Dragon came in. Like, there's all Keith Lee came in, um, Kings of the Black Throne came in. Like, it feels like all this stuff is kind of been taken up that was theirs. And like, those people are just bigger names slash more talented. And I don't know what to do than say, then shrug and say, you had your opportunity, and it's unfortunate what'll happen to y'all. But like outside of some of these parts that they could use here and there, I don't know what the use of uh, what the utility of uh, Dark Order is going forward into the future. And I don't mean to say that as if like, oh, they always suck and nothing like that. Nah, because Silver was a great tag team. Uh, Grayson, when he was still here with Uno, was a very good tag team. Um, you give someone that looks like Preston Vance a shot. Alan Angels is someone that you, you see what he's done in the ring. He deserves a shot somewhere. Anna Jay it deserves a shot in the women's division. But like, as far as them being the unit in or whatever, or a faction or whatever, I don't know how that's going to work going forward. Cause they don't really have like a front man in that way that commands TV time or TV presence or whatever else or yeah. front woman. You, but you get my point. Like I think that like the Anna J and Tay Conti thing of of their dynamic now that uh, Tay's a heel and how they're gonna the play off that and how they're gonna react to each other is more interesting than like uh, 
really anything they have going for them right now that doesn't involve Hangman. Yeah, um, it, it's like the uh, the 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 talent has showed up, and there's a lot of pieces of AW that just, just they're kind of getting lost getting lost like you know outgrown um but i mean and- that's that's kind of how it goes in history like we we talk about this often as far as like you know the great players you've seen in your era or for a certain stretch of time and then like where did like how are people going to remember them after x amount of time passes like i'm I, am i going to be that old man trying to tell y'all how absolutely fucking cold baron davis was and then like pull up on youtube this this at this time for my you know my little cousin who was born in 2012, show him this for, for him was this grainy ass video of him dunking on Andre Karolinko. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's going to be, that's a tough ask. Like, as time passes, and like, I think, you know, I guess the best way to say it is like, given how bad it went for them to start up, like, where they ended up and how long they lasted is better than I would have imagined. Yeah, I thought Dark Order was going to be done as of the end of last year, personally, mm-hmm. like, and that was like maybe like a year before that I had made that prediction. Like I was having a conversation with somebody and it was just like, yeah, I can't see it lasting any light. And they've outlasted that. So I don't know where it goes from here, but um, I hope that all these guys kind of remain in the mix somewhere. Uh, it, the whole segment kind of ended with, uh, you know, them QT coming out uh, basically said, uh, you know, like they, they fuck QT up and negative one yeah. says, I'm going to pin you or he was like, you know, I'd pin you, but I'm going to wait till I'm 18. And then, uh, yeah. And I was and you know, someone said jokes about long-term book. And I was like, how old is negative one? I think he's 11, 10, maybe. We really got to wait this long and still have QT marched around this much longer. <laughs> nah, man. Nah, man. Like he look at where he's at right now. Like, Hey man, QT might be like booking Coaching. WWE by that. Co- let him look. He wants to continue to coach. I ain't got no problem with it. But like out here in these streets, really doing this still? Nah, man, let that go. You know the Shaboyan Boing factory. <laughs> uh, you know maybe you know they may have a Stanford address at that point. So who knows? You what, you have to be. you have to tell me like because I I only know the Shaboyan Boing through like the Tommy Davidson Martin thing. What is a Shaboyan Boing in terms off of the like the off night? The air. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So up next, there's no way got... I remember this. It's gonna be lost of time until I listen to the podcast and I'll be like, oh yeah, Rich, what is this shit? You tell me like <laughs> like tomorrow at like noon. Yeah. Um, so we had Penta versus Roosh. I expect nothing out of Roosh. Um, be- <laughs> like normally, Come because on. It, like usually <laughs> Roosh is like is more style than substance. Uh, it's more charisma than actual boom. But uh, Penta decided we ain't uh, and Roosh too. I guess uh, you know he decided that we we're working tonight. And they had a nice little match. It was hitting each other hard, uh, doing athletic stuff, and they uh, they had a, I, I enjoyed this a lot. This was a very good match. Um, and like the same things you're saying about Roosh, like I don't I don't fully disagree with him. I just I just come from from a different angle. I just don't think I just don't think he he cared when he was a ring honor. Um, 
and like now that he's in a bigger spot, he he's going to try harder. I just think I just think it's a full on motor thing, and like it's really weird that someone that is the brother of Dragon Lee, one of the one of the one of the hardest go hards in the history of go hardem go go hardingdom whatever. Like he like it like he uh it's totally different. Totally different. Like it's almost like if you had told me it was raised two different households, I I I'd, I'd be willing to listen because like <laughs> I don't know. It's totally different. It, they they they're to- totally different get downs uh, when they're in the ring. Uh, but yeah, like this was this was some of the best roosh I've ever seen. It really was. And like the thing when you watch them is like you know kind of you know kind of the same thing you think when you think of like uh, in a very different way like Randy Orton is like. Look at all the stuff he could do. He's clearly not trying as hard as he could. He clearly isn't. And you're like, all right, well, I know that because look how look how easy everything looks to him. He's clearly not trying, as, or you would assume that. But yeah. so that's kind of where you take off with, with Roosh. So like, I see why like you think like he's only but so good. It's like, nah, man, the dude's really good. He just ain't trying. <laughs> he ain't applying himself, Smokey. <laughs> so so now. Uh, now that he's here, I'm I'm really interested to see how it goes. Like, um, I I hear there is a tag match between uh, uh, Andrade and Roosh and um, Lucha Bros, and I can't wait for that. That's going to be a smoker. That would be smoker. awesome. He pulled Penta's mask off at the yes. end. Um, so Roosh is the mask grabber. So uh, there is no disqualification. Like, it is not a disqualification in AEW ripping off uh, the mask like it is like it is in uh, Mexico. So uh, until that's put in, Rue's gonna run wild. Yeah. How many times have they done a spot where like Phoenix or, or, or um, Pentagon has had their or Penta has had their mask taken off in AEW? This is at least a third time. Uh, it's probably like five. I think the Bucks have definitely done it. Like, oh, they definitely. That's swipes. why they end up killing. Uh, that's why they end up killing. Um, what's it called in the ladder match? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, they. Um, I don't know who else has done it besides Roosh off the top of my head, but I feel um, like there's been like I, I remember. I feel it's happened one other time at least. At least. Um. So after that, uh, we had uh, Satnam Singh, Sanjay, and Jay Lethal. Lethal was happy that uh, the ROH World Champion or World Television Champion, Samoa Joe, agreed to face him at uh, Death for Dishonor. And looking at that pay-per-view, looks like it's something to pay attention to. Um, I'm going to pull the card up real quick. So I know, uh, well... There is a presumed main event, but like the match that will probably grab the most attention will be a rematch between FTR and the Briscoes, correct? Right. So um, there are um, so we've got Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal ROH uh, World Television Title Match, Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia Pure Rules uh, Match, FTR and the Briscoes, Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb. And then Jonathan Gresham will be defending the ROH title. Uh, and we'll talk about him uh, when we get to the rampage part. But um, and no idea who the opponent is. So we'll see. But all the graphics look dope. Uh, I don't know how the tickets are doing. I don't think it's like lighting the world on fire. But it's like, you know, for what ROH was doing, I think it is up. It's in like Lowell, Massachusetts, right? It is a, a rundown city. 
<laughs> you said that, not I. <laughs> a very rundown town. I, uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, the first time I ever went to the studio, uh, it was in Lowell, Massachusetts. So I'll uh, never forget Lowell, Massachusetts. So um, after that, we got the Acclaimed uh, and the Gun Club teaming up uh, to take on Fuego Del Sol and Roughing It. That was Leon Ruff and the Bears. Um, so after that, uh, Max came out to do his rap. Awesome Gun snatches the mic. Give me this. Yes. Uh, we should put Kaguma in with these gentlemen. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> people talk about stuff and like, you know, crossovers they want to see. Boulder and Kaguma, what? Look, these people need to use their minds, James. When they talk about these crossovers, all they do is book a, book dream matches. Like, no, we need to book stuff that it makes perfect sense, but not until you see it on screen. Like, of course, Kaguma will hang out with Bear Country. Duh. Bears? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Um, But, uh, yeah, after that... Uh, uh, Austin Gunn grabbed the mic from uh, Max Caster, turning him into a big heel. Um, then uh, they basically make short work of Fuego and uh, roughing it. Gun uh, Austin Gunn steals the tag uh, at the end, uh, stole the pin. After that, they did some arguing, and then the Gun Club, you know, traded hands with the acclaim. Then Billy Gunn turned on uh, Max and Anthony Bowens, who could have seen that coming. Um, I did. <laughs> A mile away. Same. Um, right. So, so Billy Gunn is with the sons, and they turn the acclaimed baby face. Uh, right. Bowens is like holding him up, like, please give me the scissors or whatever. Yes, like, yes, say yes. it ain't so. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. And, and that's where I was getting at. Because it's like. Anthony Bowens looked great this week, by the way. Yeah, he, he normally looks very good in the ring. Uh, so. <laughs> when he does, the thing is like. But, 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 but Papa ass, <laughs> are we still cool? Like it's not too late just to not to, like you know change course on this. And all of a sudden, there is like if when this kind of shit happens in stardom, I have to hear like Rich berries and shit for like five minutes feet to a whole row, mostly rot. And I'm just like, this happens it's because it's so fucking ridiculous. We can just laugh and move on. But 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 fine, whatever, whatever. I I'm, I'm not hating on them because I fucking howled when he did it because I thought it was the funniest shit ever. Like this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Yo. You're a grown ass man. Get your ass up. Yes. Fight. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was fucking hilarious. And then like Anthony Boys, like I guess like later at some point, like tweeted out at two Papa ass, and I was. Like, and I fucking howled again. This this should not be this funny, but it absolutely was. It's it's time to flip the acclaimed babyface. Oh yeah, uh, well the, overdue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're turning babyface is gonna work, but like this whole like the heel turn like it's such a lame heel turn. It's a ass boys. <laughs> but it works, so whatever. Like that ass, and then like when the fuck shit happens, and then that ass boys theme song plays, bro. That shit is hilarious. <gasps> I don't know why it makes me laugh, but doesn't does it? It invokes almost like the old Jake the Snake music, but not, it's not nearly as good. <laughs> um. So after that, uh, Miro was backstage. He had words from Malachi Black. Um. Uh, I don't. 
care about anything they potentially have to say to each other. A lot of God and the devil and f- fuckery talk. I, I have no interest. Get get your ass in the ring and, and throw your sets up. Like that's that's all I need uh, for, from those two gentlemen. So uh, you have to pick it up from here, James. I actually had a family emergency at this time, and I had to leave watching Dynamite at the, from this uh, point. Okay. So it, it was the tag team match, uh, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm against Nyla Rose and Maria Shafir. I remember about oh, half of this match, and we, and we had an interesting conversation to fall out that I think we started last week on the show that I think would be pertinent to uh, continue. So... Um, they basically just get in the ring and all four say, hey, let's just stiff each other as if, like, this is, like, the third match on a starting Red Road 2 show. And, like, for me, it was fun as hell to watch. And I'm like, look at the look at these four or just come out here and just say, hey, we fuck all that other shit we were doing. Let's just hit each other hard. And, like, we'll see what happens from there. And, like, I really enjoyed the match. Um, like, there was a point where I can't remember who it was. It may have been Tony Storm. Um, or no, it was Rosa, I think. Rosa had got into the corner, got uh, Marine Shafir into the corner and chopped her. And Shafir just like, she chopped her so hard that Shafir like kind of like, uh, she kind of like braced in a way. Like she like she didn't want no more, but she didn't like. So it looked like Thunder Rosa was about to lay off. And then Shafir yells out, do it. And then she like just hit her just hard as again, and like you know the crowd was into it a little bit, and it was a fun match. I forgot um uh, at the end of it, uh it was bowling shoe ugly or whatever else, but like it was physical and I enjoyed it. And like at the end, um Tony Storm you know put that ass on one of them, and then uh they uh the Bayface Thunderstorm got the win. So um. So from the conversation we had, you gotta you gotta kind of remind me because we've had like two different conversations about Marina Shafir uh, in the yeah, last few weeks, like uh, cause, off um, air. Because I've seen a lot of people still pushing back on her inclusion, like on television, and it's like I believe you said send her to stardom for six oh. months, send her to and put her in God's eye, and then she'll come back much improved. And then I was like, yo, like there's something about her that I think is where I don't want to give up on her because. The obviously the the PC gave up on her. I would say far too like they never even really gave her a chance, right? Yeah. And then like she, I think she has something where I don't think she's good. I don't think she's over. But like it says a lot that she's willing to that she's not afraid of contact. She's willing to be physical, and like that is endearing uh, to me at least. Because, you know, there are wrestlers who have made a career out of avoiding contact. I won't name any names, but you guys know exactly who they are if you have a history with listening to One Nation Radio. Um, and I, I don't want to throw Marina Shafir aside. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, my, my whole point was, as you mentioned, like, if she was in, if she was able to tour in, in Stardom, for example... And she could wrestle, um, just be able to get more experience. Because you look at the number of matches she's had outside of WWE, and they're, um, uh, you know, n- you know, in general, like they're they're poor at, or they've been poor at training people ever since PC started. Because like they, it's a, they have way too, they brought in too, way too many wrestlers for the amount of people they're trying to actually, you know, um, mold into wrestlers. Uh, you would imagine, right? It's like overclouded classrooms. 
basically. And she's got a specific style that I don't think really lends itself to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. So I remember now. Like my my point was like she's a shoot style wrestler, and it's like uh, where is she? Given how um, American wrestling is, like in order, there aren't that many women in America that do shoot style wrestling, and like. You, so then you throw it in. How many times she, would she be able to work with those people? And then like, uh, even someone like Roddy Strong, who is a wrestler's wrestler, but has a little bit of a a little bit of in his game, like that shoe style kind of stuff of mat grappling, whatever else. Like, uh, we don't know how good of a, how good of a, just because he's really good doesn't mean he's good at teaching it. So like, and there's something to be said where like you 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 practice this stuff and then like you got to get that in front of people and perform it. Um, so like, I think she needs the experience of being in the ring with a number of people that can actually do that. Like, you know, like a Shuri, for example, um, or a lot of like the judokas that are, um, also, you know, it throughout Joshi that like, oh, you have a similar background. We know how to kind of port this into this, uh, sports entertainment, pro wrestling spectrum, as opposed to you were a trained fighter in like, you know how to, you have tool, you have the hardware, but not necessarily the software. And like, I think, I think, you know, given, you know, the look, the tan, the toughness, uh, and the physical attributes of the athleticism that came from being a, a combat fighter. Like, I think that, I think there is something there. Is she over or charismatic? No, not right now. Um, but like we've seen people over time develop in those areas in like, she, clearly seems that she wants to do this, but, like, it, I think it's going to come down to the holdup of, like, or not the holdup, but, like, if she wants to be as good as she could possibly be with this, like, she's going to have to get more matches to be able to get better at this. And I think the the fast place or the places where I think the fastest route for her would probably be Japan. And, you know, look no further than the current AW Women's Champion. If we were to throw her out in her formative years, uh, that would have been a colossal mistake, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, so, um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think people should be, you know, like what you like. You know, if you're on screen, you're like, I don't need to see this person develop on my screen, da da da, and you have that kind of attitude, whatever. But when I'm looking at these people that obviously someone believes in because she's getting a lot of TV time, right? Yep. And it's just not going well, right? And it, whether she's quote unquote falling on her face like some may some people may think some people may think she's doing all right like i think there's just something intriguing still there and i'd be willing to exhaust all avenues uh to make sure there's nothing there rather than you know just move off too quickly especially like um you know how they because they've been trying her out on dark like months ago Mm -hmm. then she's finally kind of made the dynamite in the last couple months and it was like well I don't know who here can really bring it out of her in the way. Like, I don't think Dustin Rhodes is going to be teaching MMA shoot uh, <laughs> style uh, stuff. So, like, like, I think if it was a case where they stapled her to somebody, sent her to Japan, use the contacts, use the you use the uh, the resources that you have as a company, if you really believe in her invest because i think you'll get something back yeah and and, and that's the thing because it's like 
it doesn't feel like she can't hang in the ring physically. It just feels like she doesn't necessarily know what to do with all the options she has at her disposal. And like, that's kind of the thing is like trying to figure out, it's not like what, not what all you can do, but what you're good at or what works for, or what works for what you're trying to do. Um, is trying to narrow down all that stuff. So like, I think like, there's not a, there's not really a, I think who would be the closest thing to like a shoot fighter in uh, AEW? Would it be like Thunder Rosa or would it be like Sheeta just because of the background of martial arts? Like Thunder, Ty Conti. Ah, uh, Ty Conti. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would, that would be it. And I think like there is room for somebody and, and hers comes from a base of striking more than like ground, you know, ground, um, wrestling, whatever else. Like, I think there, I think there's space for it. And like, I, you know, I think there's also space for her to work creatively in America. Like we saw like in NXT, Shayna Baszler was a, able to be, uh, you know, successful doing it in NXT. And then she got to the main roster and Vince said, Hey, let's let her, they didn't want her to do that. They didn't find, he didn't find, he didn't see the, the vision in that. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I just think there's, I think there's a space for that. And like, quite frankly, it's like, I need somebody to be like somebody that can like come over here and also be a co-headliner for when eventually like Sherry comes over for Bloodsport so that I can like be interested enough to want to like attend. <laughs> I, I want, I want to see Sherry in the Bloodsport. I want an American counterpart that can hold up with her. That, that's really what it comes down to. That's so like, uh, that wasn't the whole thing, but like, that's how I'm wrapping up to make it sound like I'm a selfish jerk. So uh, that's, that's how we wrap that one up. So, uh, Main event I, well, before the, that, we oh, had uh, backstage, more stuff. Yeah, yeah. backstage uh, interview with Jay Cargill uh, and the baddies and uh, the uh, assistant baddie. Um, and Jay was annoyed that uh, Stokely recruited Layla Gray. And uh, Hathaway said that, like, it took a special type of finesse to turn someone over to their side. And it talked about, like, you know, kind of grooving her one. And then Jay base was like, if, if, if it doesn't deliver in the future, if she doesn't deliver, like it's going to be her ass. And then like, you still kind of see the uneasiness between like later gray and Stokely, like nobody trusts anybody. And it's like, uh, let's see how, let's see where this goes. Like, I I think it's going to end up where they all, you know, become kumbaya or whatever else. But it's interesting to see like the growing pains of building trust. I got to disagree with Jade here. I'm more than fine with Layla gray. uh, sticking around. Well, I am too, but I'm not. I'm not Jade, who is also, you know, untrustworthy of all of uh, everybody else is trying to come after that bitch because she is, after all, that bitch. And when you are that bitch, you think people are trying to stop you from being that bitch. So I get it. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So the main event. Uh. John Moxley defends against Brody King. So, I, I mean, I'm not gonna spend much time trying to describe this match, but I was kind. It was a good match, but I was kind of underwhelmed. It felt like John Moxley took too much of the match, um, and it, it was kind of weird to think of like that match compared to other big wrestlers. He's big, you know, monster wrestlers. He's wrestled like a Brody King, like a uh, sorry, a Brody Lee, like a Lance Archer. It felt like he, you know, he gave those people space to do their thing, whatever else. And I know the situation, what what made it be different, I don't know. But it just felt like he just took it to him 
and didn't leave much room to give you know that belief of this is a monster you know and in raw spots and all that kind of stuff to make him like you know larger than life if you will um make you feel like mox was actually in danger um obviously the circumstance of how of that being the first defense after becoming the the champion again or interim champion like play does hurt it but you gotta give your opponent something if you want to make this match entertaining uh in that way in the main event and i don't think it quite got there but the match was still technically good um i think uh the match ends up ending with uh moxie ended up putting him in a i think it was a bully choke am i wrong on that uh yep bully choke they end up leading to a ref stoppage um moxie wins and they end up going to black man so John Moxley gave more to Willa Yuta than he did for Brody King. Well, you know, like one became the biggest wrestler in the industry, as you say often. Yeah. So yeah, true, true. Uh, so uh, that takes us on to Rampage. And do you have the Rampage notes, or do I need to pull up Rampage notes? Um, I can I can start uh, with it. Okay. Uh, they started with Kanosuke Takeshita. Oh man. And Eddie Kingston. So, and, yeah. Lots of chops, lots of forearms, lots of German suplexes, a pinch of uh, rope running from Takeshita because, like, Eddie Kingston ain't here to run the ropes. Um, but this was a lot of fun. I thought this match was one of the better matches in AEW this year. Um, uh, probably putting that four in the third range. Yeah. Um, I got to say, man, like, Takesha has walked in here in a handful of matches um, and got over, I think. And they announced John Moxley versus Kanosuke Takesha uh, for Fighter Fest this week in a world title eliminator match. If Takesha wins, he gets a shot at the championship. A lot of people are. What happens if he loses? He gets fucked. Okay. Yep. So uh, a lot of people are, are, you know, banging a drum and want to see this guy win now. Um, I I credit that to Kenosuke Takesha being uh, as great as he is uh, to, to walk in with like minimal uh, profile in the country and exposure. This is not like it's Kazushiko Okada coming over here or something like that. Walking in and in a handful of matches, some uh, we're talking Jay Lethal. Hangman Page, now this Eddie Kingston match. Like, people are, like, almost living and dying with this man. Uh, I think my boy Aaron, uh, had, a, had Aaron Rutowski had a great point with him. They are giving him a push very similar to the ones that they gave Jungle Boy and Darby to turn them into somebodies. Um, this guy is in the argument for the best wrestler in the company. Like, humbly. Like, like that, that's just there, but, like, Take it aside, obviously, like, I think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And, you know, if you were talking about best guys in the world, I think he's in that conversation. Um, I think they are intentionally, like, mixing him in with the with top people like Hangman, like Kingston, like Moxley now. And it's going to be – this is all designed to make you want to see him win. And the big win is coming for him. Um, I revealed in a group chat what I think that big win is. I'll wait for the show. Uh, I'll wait a little bit closer to let you guys know what I think it is. But um, he's incredible. 
um, just flat out like he's the he's the answer that New Japan wishes it had. Not necessarily disagree, uh, especially after uh, their uh, like business strategy meeting for this year, and they were like, "Yeah, our roster's too old. We have to like make a youth movement." Um, which is interesting because it's like every wrestling promotion that makes a lot of money does this, except for one. Uh, well, I'll take that back. They just made <laughs> they just made theory of the money in the bank winner so. There is some concessions being made, and they need to go with the youth movement. Maybe pick someone that's not a sex pest, but whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, Takesh is great. This is like the fourth, or no, this is like the fifth or sixth match I've ever seen of him, and like I've never seen him in a match that wasn't like over four stars. He's great. Like the first match I ever saw is the best <clears> match <throat> I've ever seen him in. Uh, I mean, it was a match when he's in there with three other guys that are about as good as he is. Or, you know, or at least on the level. So it was a super match. But, uh, yeah, like, he's great. And, like, it's, it's, it's funny to see, like, we often tell, like, uh, people, because, you know, don't get me wrong, like, we don't see, like, everybody, but we see a good number of people from around the world, or in Japan at least, and we're just like, Outside of this, outside of just this New Japan thing, there's also a lot of good fucking wrestlers. Outside the starting thing, there's still a lot of good fucking wrestlers, and it's like, I don't know if they think we're blowing smoke or whatever else. And I'm not taking, <laughs> I'm not taking this thing as like, you know, us saying like tuning our horns. Like anyone that's anyone that that would have seen this person would have known immediately. Like, oh, that person's special. Um, but like when we talk about certain people, I think maybe it's because there's so many names. You kind of just like, okay. It can't be all these people. It's like he's one of the ones. Like he one just he's not just like the rest of them. He's like elite amongst the ones we think are just even good over there. So, um, I'm not surprised in the slightest that he's doing this, um, especially the way they in- implemented them. And quite frankly, like uh, the way that they're doing this with him that let him have these kind of matches, and then like the way he's kind of touring the indies at places like Deadlock or. PWG, um, right? Garden State, fucking West Coast Pro, GCW. I think he's been in. Uh, he's in North Carolina. He's going to do Terminus sh- shortly. So he's he's yeah. making the rounds. Yeah. So like someone like him doing this, it's like I enjoy this for the fact that like I always think there's so much talent, and I feel like every every two three weeks I'm finding out or seeing somebody else. I'm like, holy shit, this person's good too. Right, it's it's almost overwhelming in a way, and it's like you kind of just you know I would like to see some of these people be able to mix it up and wrestle people outside of their normal ecosystem. Like I like the, for lack of a word, fantasy booking or dream match element of indie wrestling, and to see someone like him over here for six months and with time on his hands, like that could like there could be he could do a lot of damage, right? And like you know, help make some more names on this American side and then therefore then lead to them coming over to a DDT or, you know, a, a Noah or whatever else by blowing up on the radar. Like the, like the idea that Ninja Max and Noah is fucking wild. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like, I, and I think that shit's cool. So like, I would like to see like all these people be able to, you know, at some point be able to do something with each other because like there's so much talent and like, putting all that shit together, like, that is the reason why AEW kind of exists, but, like, to see some of that kind of spirit energy 
even outside of AEW is also really cool too. So, um, like I'm interested in this and like, or I'm really happy that he's been able to do this and I'm in, you know, like he's going out here and he's lighting up the Indies and, you know, like they just had the, she won in pro wrestling, even like Takumi Roja was there or whatever else. And it's like, I can't wait till Takumi ends up on fucking AEW. You know what's going to, you know what's going to happen, Rich. You know what's going to fucking happen. Man. So like that's a, so like I'm, I'm just, gonna be uncontrollable today. To go be wrong, right. comes out on so, dynamite. Yeah, like like so for so like for me, and I'm like, wait a second, what is this? What is this like the the, the Randy Savage music with the guitar? What the fuck is going on? And, and like, why does this lady have this haircut? And why does and why does and what is up with this the the the, the suit in or the the full body suit and all this other stuff? And then them kicks don't come off. And she's gonna hit a swanton and all the other shit, and people will be like, "Oh, she's way better than anybody we got over here." <laughs> like, <laughs> and, it, and, and, then it's, and then it's gonna go happen here, and then like you know, same thing with the jungle or uh, jungle Kiona. Uh, we'll get to it, I guess, later. But like, jungle is now is going to um, tour in America, uh, and she has a couple shows already booked or a couple dates already booked. Like she has two matches in Dead Pro or Deadlock Pro and one match in uh, West Coast Pro. So like. Bring it on! Like I want to see other people tour. I want to see. I want to see Oscar Vinny over here too. There's tons of great fucking wrestlers all around the world. I want to see them all like be able to come through in America, or whatever else, and like be able to, you know, use AEW or whatever else to like be able to establish themselves and make a name for themselves with a big match and all that kind of thing. And like that's what he's doing. It's cool. It's cool as hell. Yeah. And maybe uh, he I- likes it here. Maybe he says, you know what, I want to fucking stay longer. That'd be fucking cool too. Like the plans for him were to be over here for a year. Um, so who knows? You know, maybe he maybe he wants to stay. Like you know, in DDT, from what I'm led to believe, he's he done done it all over there. So like, how many times has he been world as their, their champion? Five. Because uh, the top title is the KOD, is not the Universal title, right? Can't remember. Right. KOD. Yeah, yeah. Five time champion. So yeah. like twenty seven. Right. Yes, I think he's twenty-seven. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, if, if he's been there, around, done like, like I would, I would already call like his excursion a success. Like people like have compared this to like you know, hey, remember how TNA fucked Okada up? You know when they had him or whatever, mm-hmm. and they didn't like let him do shit. Like I feel like they've already like they've blown it out the water with Takesha, and I don't think necessarily getting caught up on him winning and losing is like the thing to get like caught up on here. It's like. What kind of connection is he making with the crowd? Is he like kind of rising up the ranks, even in the beat? Is he impressive? Um, mm-hmm. And does he look out of place? He does not. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it's just, and he, it's not like he's talking him into the building or anything. It's like this man is working. Right. And, and, and that's the thing of like, once the bell rings, that shit doesn't, nothing matters except for the match. But like, as far as the American aspect of pro wrestling where it's promos and program building in that particular you know way that we're familiar with it that is, is distinct to you know western wrestling and is for you know is not the way they do it in in japan like that is that that is the, the real crux of all of this um as far as like people's uh, you know enjoyment or lack thereof of uh, of him uh but like once that bell rings, like I, I, there's no complaints to be had. Ain't no complaints to be had. Um, so yeah, and maybe he finds like you know that kind of, 
you know, the new challenge of, you know, trying to figure out a storyline or storytelling in America uh, through, you know, promo and, uh, you know, mean, mean talking to each other. Like maybe he finds it interesting in a way or more challenging in a way than like what he's already, you know, effectively already conquered. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. But either way, like he's 26, 27, barring any type of devastating injury, which it might be a blown will or something like that, given his age. But like he could be coming back for another decade coming in and out for another decade and he comes out and people pop and be like, this is our Muda. Mm-hmm. This is our Nakamura. Great point. Um, I, I, I look forward to seeing like, you know, what, what he gets into when he's able to, you know, connect with a storyline when he's able to, you know, get his merch rolling in, in the big way. And, um, you know, this, this is this is a success like and yeah it, i guess that ties into in a way uh, also because of the young boy thing and like or whatever else the number of factions in that are in AEW. like he's kind of like almost like remember how lady c it took her a year before she ended up in queen's quest it's like yeah she's just like she's he's just around like there for big for matches whatever else and eventually like he'll settle in with like in, in late and in, in, you know in uh grow roots with somewhere and then like you you'll have that connection with you know uh, a faction eventually like it's a matter it's only a matter of time before he finds friends in AEW. Yep. That'd be pretty interesting. Um yeah it really is interesting to see where he ends up going because like whoever look whoever he is up with is getting a blue chipper. It'd be almost fucking unfair being uh uh BCC or or uh or the elite. Like wherever he ends up like like damn, bro! Like you just added somebody that might be your best wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we got Jonathan Gresham and Lee Moriarty taking on Khan uh, and Toa Leone uh, of the Tully Blanchard Enterprises Group. Uh, this was uh, basically Toa uh, Leone came from AW Dark. Uh, Khan is a former Ring Honor wrestler. I believe he was in Shane Taylor Promotions. Um, of course, uh, Moriarty. <laughs> Um, why, why, why do you think that? Uh, no, I just remember him being associated with them. Okay, you, you know, like you know that Shane Taylor shit, like like basically like everyone is black as that bitch. <laughs> I thought that's what you were saying, like no, nah. you, you, you know, like, he, he probably was in that shit. I don't know. I'm just I'm just gonna take a a, a good guess. Okay. Nah, <laughs> like who like who was in. <laughs> Everybody, who was in but her, Kenny, look, who's in her business? Like, I don't know, Kofi Kingston, Big E. <laughs> like who? Who is? Who is in Shane Taylor promotion? Shit, everybody but Kenny King, bitch. Like, <laughs> um. So they do this match. Con and Toa are solid. Um, they're taking on Lee, fucking them up. Uh, Gresham's on the uh the apron, getting distracted. Yeah. Um, left and right. And all of a sudden, uh, he's going to tag. And then all of a sudden, he jumps off the apron and is like, I got gotcha. you. And uh, I can boo Jonathan Gresham out loud now, um, openly, freely, like Shawn Michaels said, he wanted to live his life. Um, <laughs> so. You proud of this? Oh, 100 percent. Um No, it, the far is like, look, I used to hate this dude and now I actually have an excuse to actually hate him. You proud of this? You proud of yourself? <laughs> this man put up double thumbs, thumbs up. <laughs> so um 
you know, he, oh he do, he, they put him, they turn him heel. Uh, he's with Tully and uh, Khan and uh, Tolioni. Uh, they are Tully Branch Enterprises. He's done these these interviews where I didn't think he came off particularly like charismatic or anything. So it was like, all right, Tully can talk for him. Um, he can stick to what he knows best, uh, with, which is the wrestling. Um, I, I didn't think he was like particularly engaging as a babyface. I don't know if they didn't take enough time to really find that out. Uh, but just in some of the interviews, like he comes off as very lame as compared to like Samoa Joe's ROAS TV champion. Um, they have just millions, millions of great talkers everywhere in AEW. And then when you see someone that doesn't have it, it's more clear. I feel like verbally. Um, I think he will be like I don't personally I'm not a I'm not a fan I don't really get excited by the guy I think he's been carried in some of his more recent big matches like the Bandito match uh, I thought Bandito was you know gonna come down with an injured back or something but um, I don't know who he faces uh, he turns on Lee Moriarty, Lee Moriarty they're doing a match for the ROH title at uh, one of the fire, fighter fest stuff and um I assume he'll retain, but then he, I don't know if he's going to face Claudio Castagnoli uh, or if it's somebody else completely off the map. I'm not thinking of, Uh, what do you think of this uh, turn for uh, Gresham? Um, I don't know the landscape of, of like the title picture in um, ring honor to speak on like what it sets up or what it could set up. So I can't, I'm just not even going to go there, but um like I don't know. Like as far as the match between him and uh, Moriarty, like I want to see it because like I feel like both of their styles match each other. As far as like them wanting to do mat and ground based submission uh, type of wrestling or whatever else in their in um, in their wrestling. So let me just see how that goes. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as the 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 story in the match and the execution, I thought it was very good because like. Um, doing the first time when uh, Moriarty needed to tag out because he was getting worn out, like, <laughs> Tully, like, just, you know, gets Gresham's attention, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Is it okay, so, like, he'll get in eventually later, and this is, like, whatever. And then, and then, no. and then it finally <laughs> happened. It was like, oh, it was a ruse all along. This was well done. This is very well done. It was like, of course it's well done. This is tag team wrestling with fucking Tully Blanchard right there. Of course it's gonna be well done. What was I thinking? Of course. <laughs> so so yeah, uh, so yeah, it was so, you know, as as far as uh the the angle and all that kind of stuff, like it was a thumbs up for me, yeah. Uh Serena and Mercedes. Oh, well, I'll take it back, I'll take it back. There's one thing I didn't like. <clears throat> After it became apparent that he was turning hill on him. I would have liked for Moriarty to have not gotten beat because he's about to be get a title match. I don't like challengers getting beat after after the title challenger, um, mm-hmm. especially for the top title, right? Um, so I would have liked for him to have like somehow thwarted, you know, thwarted them and like got a roll up win off of you know a victory roll or some shit like that, and then you know skate out the back door or if you need to. To get the, you know, because the the getting the faction over at this point in time was a bigger thing. Was like, all right, after he gets the win, put the boots to him, and have you know Gresham hold the towel over top of him. But like, you got to give Moriarty something. Otherwise, what's the point of even doing the match? Yeah, um, he got an interview after. Um, they also interviewed Gresham, um, and they basically just kind of laid out their intentions. Yeah, and um, 
We had Serena D. Mercedes Martinez almost do uh, an identical angle yes. uh, of tag team breakup. Like, like 10 minutes later, they beat the shit out of uh, the Kayla Sparks and Christina Marie, who I've never seen. Uh, <laughs> these are two. <laughs> you have to say it like that. <laughs> women they found on <laughs> women they found on the street. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! So they like uh, they basically like um, break down in the post match and Deeb like gets the advantage um, on uh, Mercedes at the end. Mm-hmm. Locks are in the Serenity Lock, and they are set for the ROH uh, Women's World Title. So. Good friends, better enemies. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be fine. Um, I think it'll be good. Then uh, we got uh, we got Orange Cassidy and Tony Nese. This match was excellent, excellente. Uh, when I talk about Orange Cassidy being like the TV worker, this is a perfect example. I think he's bigger than ever at this point. You think he's more, more over than before? More over than he's ever been, um, and. I think credibly as a as a wrestler, I think people are really like picking it up on him. The theme song's gonna work, and the overall vibe for him, he just understands it. Like uh, in Tony Nice, he can play on my team any day. I've been high on Tony Nice for a lot of years. Yes, and this know. is this is a perfect. And this even as his gear has gotten worse, when he used to be great. True, um, but this this is like the perfect like. You know, use for him. Uh, th- this was excellent. Lots of like creative things. Uh, smart Mark Sterling adding. He's just excellent. I, I I gotta say on the record, I love Smart Mark Sterling. He's he's a fucking clown. Um, he'll show ass. This whole thing's doing like with the Swerve thing is like it keeps Swerve's name out there, so I like it. And, like it's it's just smart. Um, he's he's a great shit bag. He's an awesome talker. Uh, I don't ever need to see him like have full matches or anything, but come out here and like do this manager. shit. Yes. Yeah, like, like he, does, yeah. he doesn't need to be booked to face John Moxley on, on a dynamite. <laughs> he doesn't need to do that. Say that for the scalp for the match. Yeah. But um yeah, this whole thing was excellent. Um and this one about fifteen minutes. I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, the match is great. Uh I gotta say, like by the time we got to uh Rampage, my mind was cooked. Like and I I barely remember that it, the match even happened. I just remember liking it, but I can't tell you what I have ready for. Like, dude, I was thinking about this. Like, uh, I'm going to have to, like, try to go through a bunch of Dynamites in Rampage that I have, like, um, listed that I have to go back through that I didn't give ratings on. It's going to take me forever to try to, like, go through, you know, we'll get to the year-end stuff, and, like, I already regret the decisions I've made so far this year, and, like, I'm going to have to find a way out in help <laughs> just help i'm fucked i'm fucked uh but yeah uh it, it was i did enjoy the match a lot yeah sam had a comment he said all those 205 live guys are were excellent tv wrestlers and learned how to engage bored uninterested audiences after smackdown finish uh, put them in front of an engaged crowd and they pop so you're saying that like working on a rampage in the third hour is a lot easier than working on a what was it like a a SmackDown or a Raw in the either the fourth or the th- or the third hour? I, I I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah. Indeed. Um, but James, uh, we've got we've got some stuff to get to, so it's time to hit the music. Oh! 
Okay, Rich, so where would you like to start? World Wonder Wondering Stardom. Okay, so they had two shows this weekend. Uh, uh, the first show was on a Friday. It was a New Blood show. New Blood. Uh, Stardom has three brands now. We'll get to their third brand in a second. But uh, the second brand is New Blood. It is basically like a young girl slash future uh, pay-per-view big match type of thing. Like... What they do is they bring like they use a lot of the under twenty under twenty six or um, less than like four years of experience wrestlers um, on the starting roster, and they also grab or they also bring in a number of women from the Joshi scene um, that are that fit that same criteria, and they book matches and off uh, and they book matches and shows um, to showcase them wrestling like you know singles matches or tag matches where they're not like where they have to you know have more responsibility and it's not like they have to rely on a tam nakano a mayu a shuri julia to to pull them through they're all on their own and it's mostly like low three-star wrestling it's fun um and also during the during the case of these uh uh let's say the roster if you will um because it's a, a bit of a limited roster and they use people about the same, a lot of the same people, um, over and over again, like, you see these matches where, like, they'll be tagging together on one show, and then, like, two shows later, they're across from each other. So, um, for example, uh, the first New Blood show, it was, uh, Starlight Kid versus, um, a Futures tag champion in Diana named, uh, Hikari, I'm sorry, uh, Umasaki, I can't remember her first name. I can remember Sakari or Haruka, um, but uh, Umasaki is now in New Blood Three after wrestling against Starlight Kid in New Blood One and Two. Is now like with the young OED squad in New Blood Three, and it's like the awkwardness of them like, hey, like, are you are you with with us or are you with OED or are you not with OED? And then like Rena and. Uh, Roaka are like they don't fuck with her, but like kid because like she is a emotional terrorist is like no nah, no nah, she's cool she's with us she's with us now, um, but that that's that was kind of the spirit throughout the show, uh so uh the opener of this particular card, um and we're not going to spend too much time on this and I I really mean it this time I'm, I'm going to try to go through this super fast I'm not going to say that and then like spend like ten minutes on the show but. Uh, I'm not going to say but. I'm just going to cut through this. The opening match is uh, Yuri versus Mai Sakurai. Yuri is from uh, Ganbar Pro. Um, it is in Russell Universe, so you can see that on Russell Universe. Um, sometimes on big shows, they'll bring in Ganbar wrestlers to Tokyo Joshi Pro shows. Um, but anyway, uh, match was just average. Uh, Mai ends up beating Yuri with a sit-out gourd buster. Uh, second match was Ami versus Nanami. Nanami has been on... She's been on from the beginning, the first New Blood show. She uh, is from... She's from Diana. Um, she's in there with Ami. And, like, I did not realize that Nanami is a pretty big wrestler. Like, she, you know, Nanami... Nanami uh, Ami is, like, you know, 5'7"-ish. And Nanami is, like, she's, like, 5'5". Five, five. So, like... Eventually... Ami ends up winning by bullying her around, chopping her to death, ends up winning with a 
modified torture rack. Uh, I gave this a uh, two and two, uh, two and a quarter. Um, then the show gets better from here. That you get uh, stars, the stars B team. You get Hannon, Ida, and Kogo versus uh, Hannon's last recent uh, defense. Uh, Tomoka Inaba, her tag partner Aoi, and Misa uh, Kagura, all three from Just Tap Out. Uh, so, Rich, you saw this match or no? No, I didn't see this one. Okay, so Misa, she uh, she fancies herself to be some type of uh, uh, animal avatar as a wrestler. I can't remember who, which one it was, but she wanted to face the gorilla, which is Ida. So the match starts and she, she roars at, at Ida. Ida immediately roars back and like the crowd pops in there. They start, you know, they're waiting for it to eventually get in the ring and like Ida lights her up with chops and it's back and forth. And Ida's like at the, I think he called her after the uh, the match he had with Mirai, like a dumb jock wrestler. This was the dumbest and jockiest that she's ever been that I can recall seeing. And like I, I had a blast watching; it was funny as hell. But um, ultimately, uh, this was about like the story of Hannon and like the two Aoi and uh, Tomoka, like two people that are, that really are going going for the future Stardom title. So, uh, by the end, Hannah ends up putting away, uh, the third Misa, uh, with a Regal Plex, um, and eventually, like, there will be an Aoi versus Hannon match for the Futures belt. Um, so, then you get to the best match on the card. I did uh, see this. Mirai versus Suzu Suzuki. Now, um, that is a th- thing when you think of, uh, the New Blood stuff is like, if they wanted to, they could just put Starlight Kid. And it's funny, Azumi's never done one of these. And, it's, you know, I guess she's she's vet status. She knows how to be into the same thing. Like, so Starlight Kid. Like, I'm a five-year vet. I don't have to do this shit either. But she's on it. Whatever. But if they wanted to, they could do Starlight Kid and Azumi and Utami versus whoever the fuck they wanted to. If they want to. That's not how they're doing this. They're just doing fun matches or whatever else. But this is the match where it's like, this is the first time they've said, let's put two of the best, like, under 24 women's wrestlers in the world in the ring together and let them do what they want to do. And, um, you know, Suzu, she's so fucking good. She wants to do this horrible shit. Uh, she was in the Mariah. So, in Mariah, like, even though she's, like, 140 and just brolic and all this kind of shit, it, like, she's really, really good at work from underneath. And they told this story of like five foot one, five foot nothing, Suzu, like, you know, using the vertical ramp. Uh, I think it was a body slam. Can't remember what it was, but uh, slams Mariah on the vertical, on the horizontal ramp. And then from there, Mariah's fighting from underneath. And then she eventually catches up and then it's back and forth. And then, like, they're going at it for like the last like five minutes of this match. Um, and then, like, you know, at the end, like, Mariah goes, gets uh, Suzu up. Um, and the bell rings is a 15 minute time limit draw, but the match was great. I ended up giving it four stars. I enjoyed the hell out of this match and they're in the same block in the Grand Prix and I can't wait for the rematch. This was excellent. Um, yeah. just beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah. Style wrestling. Mariah yep. putting her on the ground and just fucking just, yep. you know, just, just, yep. just fucking killing I've had her. enough. I, you have beat I, my I ass. I love and, it. Yeah. Oh my God. This was like right up my alley. If you guys haven't watched this match. It's available for free. Uh, yes. like, just oh, like too. all this new, new blood stuff is. 
please go out of your way and see if y'all like seeing people uh like like my man uh in the comments uh with Thero Negro says Suzu got that dog in her. She oh, used yeah. to be wrestling everywhere. This is two wrestlers with that dog in them. Yeah. So uh they went nuts. Uh, I love this. Yeah, and and like the thing about it is like Suzu is either 19 or 20. Can't remember. Mariah's like 22, 23. Suzu is 19. I didn't know that. Yes, that's right. She's a yeah. She's a little bit older than uh, Azumi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Marizi the twenty two or twenty three. Can't remember. But it's just like there's so much talent around, uh, like just in this scene. So like they're gonna have another uh, rematch later in the Grand Prix. It's gonna be great. Um, this is well, I'm assuming. And then we get the semi main event of this. Ram Ram Kaichu versus Wagasukiyama, and this is one of you know how I normally say this is one of the best matches of the year, one of the better matches of the year, and I use that distinguish between like if I'm thinking like hot four and a half or higher or below or four to four and a half. Okay, so like what's the word that is not the worst, but one of the, let's say the worst surge because lack of a word. This is one of the worst matches of the year. <laughs> this match sucked, bitch. I did not see this match. Oh my God. The only thing I came here to talk about is Wakasukiyama in blackface. Yeah, so Wakasukiyama is in blackface and her excuse, or what I imagine what her excuse to be is uh, Ram Kaicho wears white face paint with black eyes cover or covering her eyes so because Ram's been such a nemesis and a shit head to uh waka in the two um press conferences to build up new blood three by like dropping like powdering her hitting her with powder twice she shows up with the inverse of that and the inverse of that is blackface like if you have a white face with black eye with black eyes paint then the inverse of that is a black face with white eye paint she's in blackface not not giving i'm not giving no i'm I'm not giving no excuses no none of that they know blackface isn't isn't uh isn't acceptable in in parts of japan i don't know what parts of japan walk is from but she came be out here looking like drake she was out there looking like drake in that uh in the story added don cover yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's Waka was smiling, and then and then also like you look at it is like I also made the joke to Rich like if you if you draw the see so pull it up and put it on this on the screen, Rich. Like if you pull it up, hold on, it, man. Let's okay. see. <laughs> um, it's in, it was in the uh, it was in the Stardom one, I think. Yep, I, think, I will pull it up. Yeah. Let let me know when you uh put it on the screen for the for the people on the Twitch. It is on the way. All right. <laughs> so, like, if you it look, is on the screen. So when you look at it, you're like, yo, Waka, like, all she needs is the N, the W, and the O, and she looks like NWO Muda. <laughs> and then and then I took the picture, and then I I literally drew the N, the W, and the O on Waka just. This is just so, just so, you know, I can, I can show the people that I wasn't tripping. Like, it, it really looks like that. Uh, so, anyway, man, they have the match. And, like, it's this comedy match. And it's bad comedy. And it's crummy wrestling. 
And at the end, after Waka at the first press conference catches Powder in the face, and then at the second one catches Powder <clears throat> in the face after after Ram apologized and said that I bought you something nice to make a make amends for the first time I, I powdered you in the face and it ended up being more fucking powder. What happens? In, what do you think happened in the end of this match, Rich? In this match, more powder. Exactly. Waka got hit with powder for the third goddamn time. Uh, she learned nothing. She may as well be a character in Seinfeld. So. Jesus. Uh, yeah, so she ends up uh, catching the powder right after walk or, or getting uh, a flash crucifix pin right after the rim, uh, hit her with the powder and, and caught the L. I ended up giving this match 0. 0.3 uh, quarter stars. <laughs> and you know, well, you know that means how bad this match is, but I oh give myself one. Yeah, so. Uh, no more blackface walk up. Yeah, yeah. Cut that out. And then like and then the next day she goes out there and has the best match of her career. Go fucking figure. So uh <laughs> I gotta redeem myself after this bullshit. Uh so uh match out of that you end up getting uh as I mentioned, young OED plus Haruka Umasaki uh versus Mina Unagi of of Cosmic Angels plus two of color so Yuko, Yuko Sakurai and Rina Amakari so um, as I mentioned in New Blood 2 Mina Unagi tagged with Ruka Umasaki the face off against uh, Oedotai and Starlight Kid and Ruka Umasaki and Starlight Kid seem to be at odds I think they also wrestled each other on the 60th anniversary show for uh, Corkin Hall. I can't remember. I have to, I have to actually have to watch that show to remember, be able to remember that such a thing. I just remember their names all being together. So anyway, Haruka is there with uh, young OED. Kids playing nice. The other two, Rina and, and Roaka, aren't. And hijinks ensue as far as their, their team dynamic at the time. But ultimately, by the end, uh, uh, Kid ends up putting uh, Yuko Sakurai in the Tiger Leg Destroyer, um, the leg trap or leg choke uh, stretch muffler, and getting the win. I ended up giving this match three and a quarter. And um, I believe at the end of this match, uh, or not Tay, oh my God, uh, Kid basically extends the offer to Haruka to say, hey, you can be a New Blood member of. Oedo tie. So, like, you can tag with us, but only in Oedo tie, and everything else, like, we don't give a fuck about what you do. We don't give a fuck about none of that outside of New Blood. Um, yeah, also. That's like you can be an NWO Japan member. <laughs> I mean, to bring that back? Yeah. Uh, also, also further bring it back. So, Waka, after catching that powder, I forgot about this in the post match. Waka, after catching that powder a third time, like a damn dummy. Uh, grabs the mic as Rams walking up the, up the ramp and says, "Hey, you fucking cheated." It was like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm evil." Um, it, it, uh, Walker says she wants a tag match this time, and uh, turns out that uh, Rena from Oedotai is going to tag with Ram. So like, they are like the new blood OE young OED coalition is growing and spreading. They're spreading their roots of evil. Out into the into the Joshi sphere uh, by tagging with Ram Takaicho from the six 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 promotion, and also adding in uh, Haruka. So now that I guess it's like five of them now from New Blood, uh, and we we will figure out whenever whoever Waka's tag team partner is for New Blood for who knows who it is. Uh, but 
then you get the main event, Julia versus uh, Miyu Amasaki, and Julia just beats the shit out of Amasaki, and um, and then gives her a glorious driver after probably going, I don't know, less than 10 minutes, but just didn't work. Then selling none of her shit, just beat the shit out of her, and then uh, gave her glorious driver, put out her mercy eventually, after beating her to where she couldn't even, be comp- even get a comeback, and just beats her, and then like, and then hugs her and says, you're gonna be good someday, kid, or some shit like that. From, from I can tell by the body, from the body language, and I was like, "How do how will you know? You just you just fucking ate her up, and whatever." <laughs> they they everybody comes back out. They sign off a new blood, you know, a sign of a new blood four, and then like that was the end of it. And I was like, "Why even bring Julia to this? She's gonna do this. Like, you want me, you want me to wrestle a, a person in like their twelfth match?" Okay, how about I just beat the shit out of them and then from in the main event for like twelve minutes and then leave? Okay, you okay with that, Rossi? Okay, cool. I, we're out of here. The match, uh, this match may have been like three stars. I don't know, but whatever. It wasn't like it was a bad match. But it was like she gave this woman nothing, nothing. Those be the breaks. Yeah, and I know I said that I was going to go like a few minutes and whatever else, but like I forgot how much stuff I actually remember from this. I was going to go down to report, but then I always remember stuff, so it happens. Uh, <sighs> the actual main event. The actual, I'm sorry, the actual pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. Midsummer Champions 2022. First match is Hannah versus uh, Waka in a Futures title match. Dog, Waka came out the blocks like ready for blood. Like yeah. r- smelling blood in the water. And I thought it was time. <laughs> it was not. I look, and if you guys listened to the show last week, I said we would open up One Nation Radio uh, with yes. with the celebration of Wakasukiyama getting the win. It's uh, showing what true winning looks like, but uh, it was Bro. not to be. Bro, I knew that Waka had no chance, and they still managed to get two near falls in this fucking match. Bro. I was like, I, you know, I lean forward in the chair like, no, no, and you know, and, and then like, uh. Hannon has, I guess she added this to her game to kick at 2.999 and, uh, yeah, like the crowd, you know, still a clap crowd, they they audibly, you know, gasped at the thought that Waka was going to pull off this upset twice. Um, this is a really good fucking match, like, this match might be three and a half fucking stars. <laughs> this well, I wouldn't argue. I, I couldn't fucking believe this match. Like, I could not believe that this was Waka Sugiyama, we're talking about a singles match and an opener doing this. And like, hey man, I don't, you know, Hannon's seventeen. Like, you know, I don't think she uh, she's nearly as good as Starlight Kid or uh, or Azumi were when they were that age. But that don't mean Hannon ain't gonna be fucking great. <laughs> she's gonna be great too. Uh, and this match is like kind of like just assured it to me. Like, she she's gonna be fu- she's gonna be very fucking good at the worst. And like, who knows if she gets past like the young girl judo. Stop, you know, work rate or, or work style thing and like gets your own like office, but like just as like a young lion wrestler, she's already having very good matches. Um, so so yeah, uh, we can move on from there. Hannon wins. Um, I forgot it's God's Eye against Queen's Quest, Ami and Mirai taking on Miyu, Amasaki, and Utami. Yeah, and man. <laughs> Miyu Amasaki kept getting left out on that island, like, and it was bad news for her every time. Like, she kept getting switched 
like in, yeah. in, in, in uh, you know in this the match, space. Yeah, this match was basically like uh, Amasaki started. They 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 wore her ass out, and then eventually built a hot tag to Tommy. Tommy fights through a rotation of both um, Mirai and Ami, and then she had to tag out because she was so desperate. And like it was almost like the same logic of like those AEW triangles matches where like someone gets the dog the, their ass whooped, and they like get so desperate that like their partner's not in the corner, so they eventually just have to tag out the third party because they're so desperate to try to survive. Like Utami tagged out because she's like, I gotta just fucking survive somehow. And she never. And when she made that tag out, she never was able to legally get back in the ring. Uh, it, that was it, that was all she they uh, wrote for that. Uh, Utami fought violently against those two, but like the bat, the, the second bad sisters in this in this promotion, they ain't nothing to play with. And uh, you know, uh, Mariah ends up uh, beating Amasaki with a mirror uh, Miramari shock. Uh, and I thought it was a good match. Uh, I didn't think this match was somehow as good as the Waka match in the opener, but it was still good. I ended up giving it a three flat. Uh, so Mariah and Ami now, like their first, I think they tagged one a couple of times before, but like they had their defense or their challenge against, um, Hazuki and Kaguma and they went to a 30 minute draw that on this pay-per-view they have, uh, one and now on the 27th paper or the twenty. The twenty third, twenty fourth pay per view on the twenty fourth. They uh, not the twenty fourth of the year, even though it's close. Like the twenty fourth pay per view in uh, July, they uh, they get their rematch against uh, FWC, and I think they're I think they're going to win. I think they're going to take it off of them. Um, so so yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. After handing one, does she uh, have a challenger? I can't remember. Same here. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, if y'all remember, like, let us know in the comments. I can't remember. But, uh, so then we end up getting, um, Stars versus, uh, Oedotai, Mayu, Hazuki, Kaguma, and Ida versus Saki, Death, Rowaka, and Rina. And this match is a very good match, but you know at the same time that, like, uh, they're wrestling like it's a third match in the card. Isn't like if this was the you know third match from the top, they wrestle in totally different gear. But let's not talk about the part. Let's talk about the part when they start at the beginning with Kaguma and Death, and they have a bear slash clown off, and it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, you know some some people may may watch Stardom, you know, to see incredible work rate. I watched to see, um, you know, Delphi Yamasan. You know, I watched to see the bear Kaguma meet in the middle of the ring. The immovable force meets the uh, immovable object, whatever the fuck that phrase is. Unstoppable uh, force, immovable object. Correct. And, and I, what I saw was a great meeting of equals uh, of, of talent, like so converging in a once in a lifetime moment uh, that I'll always remember where I was when I saw it. Uh, I saw these two, uh, you know, square off and I could just tell something was different about the feel in the arena when, when, when um, Kaguma raised her fist and put them on uh, her head like she was Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson and then lead to the side. You know, I, I just it just felt different when um when, when food and death, you know, started, you know, putting the, the, the horns up behind her head. And I just knew I was watching uh, just all time magic um, when, when, when I was seeing this and I recorded a minute on my phone. I would cherish uh, for the rest of my days uh, and just knowing that, you know, 
just great times were were had here, and and this is truly the pinnacle of professional wrestling. This is too, this is a too serious promotion, Rich. <laughs> this is a too serious promotion. Like a motherfucking blackface guy who went powder on the show before. This is a serious promotion. Okay, whatever, man. Whatever you say. Uh, but yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember much as match. It was more in and out. There was not many dives. Cause like I mentioned, it's like third match on the card on pay per view. But like this was really uh, good. This is really good wrestling. Um, at, at the end though, they end up with Ida in there with uh, <coughs> Rena. And I figured, okay, so that means like you know, Rena's a weak link in this uh, in this match. You think about it from no Edo type perspective. So I think she's gonna get to get pinned by Ida, or whatever else. Um, because you know it's SWA champion Mayu, it's uh, FWC the tag team champion, and it's Ida who you know just won. I think she beat Rena to get into the uh, into the um, <coughs> Grand Prix. So Rena ends up uh, stopping her, end up getting to the top rope and hitting the. Uh, the double, uh, the, I'm sorry, the double uh, knee drop off the top rope, which is always brutal every time she does it. I don't know how she doesn't fuck someone up, but she's just been doing it like for a couple months now, uh, ever since her uh, challenge against Hannon, and uh, kicks out, and then Rena goes up and uh, hits her with the uh, Noshigami and gets the W. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, does that mean she, oh, that's what it was. There was no, no one came out for Hannon. So I assumed that like Rena called her was going to call a shot eventually, like on the road two shows to get another title shot against Hannon for the future belt, but she actually called her shot later in the show for a different belt. Uh, we'll get back to that in a second. So uh, next match, Azumi, high speed champion, defends it against Momo Kogo, and you know we I forgot to uh, preview the show last night or last week like live so i did it in post and i said like i think that like given the stuff she's done you know since she got the title shot and some of the stuff you see like during the um the matches the qualifying turn G- uh, grand prix stuff that i think kogo is going to come out here in a high speed situation and she's going to pr- have like you know a match to show and prove her worth and goddamn she did <laughs> there was one look there was one little botch at the beginning of the, in the opening salvo, and after that, like everything was smooth as butter. And like, I know, I know that um, a lot of people know how good Azumi is. I want to know why Azumi won't be get votes for uh, best technical wrestler in the Observer next year, or for this year for this year's award. Why she wouldn't get votes for it? At least votes. Not saying she finished in the top five or place. Why she wouldn't get votes for it? Um, I knew that Azumi was on fire in this match when she was doing kip ups outside the ring. Um, <laughs> Momo Kogo, as far as her, uh, this is I think the best that I've seen of her. It, I is, think it was. This was like it was still it still felt like this was unnatural for her. Yes. So I think she it was admirable to see her hang in the style as much as she did. Um, and there aren't enough words to describe what azumi does like but here's also the thing right is it that she was not wrestling the style or the or able to keep up with the style or was she just not able to keep up with azumi style because there's high speed and then there's azumi's high speed and that's the thing that makes her special <laughs> like she's a whole nother level above like the normal pacing for a high speed match outside of like a natsuki tayo yeah that i've ever seen and, and like 
I I didn't really think much of Momokogo before, so mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, okay, like she's actually solid. Like, right. but it was like I don't expect you to actually keep up with Azumi. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, you did the best you could essentially here. Yeah. So like in the middle of this match, like you know. Azumi goes to work on her arm, uh, and Kogo has to fight from underneath throughout this match, and she does, you know, some of her new stuff to kind of keep on balance. Like a big near, a big near fall was her hitting like a what I can only describe as like a sunset flip jump over into a crucifix bomb uh, that was awesome. That got like a two point nine count on Azumi, and then like from there, Azumi goes back to work on the arm. There's a bunch of 619 type stuff, variations. There's a 619 that takes um, Azumi off of the top rope. There's a 619, there's a D, there's like a tornado DDT 619 variation that Momo Kogo's been using for like a couple weeks or like a month or whatever. And like, you see all this stuff she's like added since the Grand Prix qualifying thing. And this was like all at leading up to like, I need to get myself some like, new stuff for this high-speed match with Azumi, because this is, like, the biggest match of my career, and Azumi is just basically, you know, as I mentioned, like, she's wrestling at a slower pace than what she would if she was wrestling Starlight Kid, but she's still having this high-speed match. It's very entertaining, very fun, and, like, damn near great, and, like, she's now doing this with different opponents. It's not the usual suspects of, like, Nasapoi, Kid, and, you know, and Kaguma, and it's, like, She's gonna, she's gonna like, she's going to like breathe new life to the division by wrestling a whole bunch of new, new opponents with this or whatever else until it's her time, uh, for the her, you know, you know, while she's biding time with this. But like, now that she's gonna be in there in the Grand Prix, like she's gonna go off again. She's gonna go, come out here and channel for four stars in seven minutes, like she did last year again. And it's gonna be like same thing. How much fucking longer do we need to? Wait? <laughs> How much longer we have to fucking wait before we start like having her and kid like at the top of this card? And obviously it's a couple years off still, but it's like Enjoy getting, the ride. I'm Enjoy the patient. ride. I understand it. I'm getting it patient. It's not the part of like them being on top as much as it is. I want them to get like 15 minutes. <laughs> I just want to get 15 minutes. If you want to get 15 minutes in third match, fine. Give them 15 in the third match. They ain't gotta be at the top. Just give them in the 13 minutes in the, in the first in like the first three matches. Please. Please. You don't need to handicap them. You don't need or not handicap them. You don't need to put a governor on how good they can be. They can go out here and like carry these undercards. Whatever. Whatever. They already do that. Whatever. But uh yeah, this match was, was great. And like Azumi just like warped her into a million different like shapes of a pretzel before eventually beating her with numero uno and got to win another great match. I gave this three and three quarters. I loved it. Uh, and was impressed by Kogo. I was more impressed by Azumi, like being able to accommodate the part where like Momo Kogo is not there yet. She might, she'll probably get there, but like she can show some flashes of things she can do. And all it takes is someone that can mold a match around it. And Azumi, you put that together with, with her. Um, so I was impressed. Um, so, almost immediately after Coco taps out, all of a sudden, they go to this camera angle. I was like, that's odd. And the next thing you know, like, Azumi's still, like, recovering from the match. She's on the ground. And the next thing you know, 
in comes from the, t- from, the, from, the from the left part of the screen onto uh, Azumi's chest is Rina. She basically like I'm trying to figure out how this is laid out. Like, what did she basically like time like to, to run in from like from looking at a monitor or was she already there like in the background and then she's like, oh, that's the finish. Let me start climbing now. Or did she all was a sprint or how how this go? I want to see the logistics of her all of a sudden like ding 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 ding. Uh, your winner, Azum crash. Yep. It was great. She, she had to make hilarious. sure she was first to challenge because if she didn't make it out there first, somebody else may have got the shot. Maybe. I mean, that's how Nagi sees it. That's how Nagi sees it. Yeah. Like, the only thing that stops you from being the person to challenge is if you get there first, brother. But, uh, yeah, so... So, uh, uh, Rina's calling Azumi an old hag. Yes. And a grandma. Yes. And all, all this stuff. And my, how the tables have turned. The yes. game has been switched on some ludicrous yeah. shit. Resume. Yeah. Two I mean three years or two and a half years comes real fast, don't it? Amazing. Comes real almost fast. almost washed. You know. <laughs> uh like it was funny because like when Azumi was calling like Nasa Samiri an old hag and an old bitch, like she was twenty-six. That's what's twenty six. What so basically, what you're saying bitch. is like this is like the wire. Just the kids as they go further along, like they have less respect. So yes. like, it's you know, yes, yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So uh, next match after that is uh, what was originally a twelve person tag turned to a, a five or sorry, 10 person tag. I'm assuming it had to do with Tekla. Like in her, in, like, I think she's just too injured to be back yet. But, um, Tam, Mina, Unagi, second Saki, uh, and Hakari versus Julia, Micah, Nasapoy, uh, Hameka, and Mice. Uh, so they start the match with, uh, Tam, and Nasapoy, and they have the beginning of what would be their kind of match. They do their thing, they get out, and then like, and then it turns into it, Julia and Sagasaki get in, and like, which one do you think it sounds funnier? The the Battle of the Tans or the Battle of the Beige? Which one? Which one is funnier? Battle of the Beige. Battle of the Beige. Okay, because so they both get in, and I there's no reason why they be fighting other than who was who who has a better tan. I, I don't know, but whatever. They they start going at it. And then, uh, because the rules of this match was that it was a no-tag, kind of like a loose rules match, it was a free-for-all. People can get in and get out. The only thing was, like, and it was elimination over the top. So, like, the only thing is, like, once your ass in there, don't, like, anyone can throw you out. And, like, people are just fighting all around the ring or whatever else. And, and so, like, the focus is just on the ring. So, that's easier than, like, if it were just a, a tag thing, whatever else. But it was fun. Sir Sam, the tussle of the tans. The tussle of the tent. All right, that sounds like some type of like. Uh, sounds almost like a soccer game. Almost the tussle <laughs> of the tans. The tan sounds like the name of a team. Uh. Anyway, wait. Isn't there a isn't there a rugby team called the Tans or the Blacks? Which one is it? Um. Whatever. I think it was Sam, the Black and Tans. Black so and Tans. It- that's what it is. The Black and Tans. That's right. All right. So, um. Anyway. So, in the course of this, you end up getting uh, Hameka and um, Mina in their match from uh, a couple weeks ago on pay-per-view, and they have their interaction, and eventually, like, my sacrifice, and they both end up over the top rope. I think uh, Hameka goes to powerbomb Mina 
off of the top, over the top rope onto the floor to die. Uh, Mina turns to Hurricane Rana. They both end up on the apron. My Sakurai gets in and drop kicks Mina. Mina is attached to Hameka, so they both go tumbling off uh, to the floor. They're both eliminated. I think it's the first set of eliminations. Uh, they give Mika a spot where she eliminates Unagi with a Mishinoku driver. Then she eliminates Hikari uh, Shimizu with a... Um, with another one, like, immediately after, like, back-to-back, similar fashion to, uh, a December pay-per-view when she, like, eliminated three people in a row with, uh, back-to-back-to-back, um, Mishinoku drivers. And then, after that, she ends up, uh, eating shit by, uh, from, thinking from Saki? Can't remember. I think it was Saki. So, uh, it comes down to the final, or final two each side. It is Tam and Saki versus, um... Julia and Julia Nassipoy. So they end up getting Saki out of there after Tam ends up getting laid out and uh, Julia and Nassipoy take out Saki. She's eliminated. So it's Tam now in there with her three biggest enemies, her two biggest mortal em- enemies. So somehow uh, it basically turns like a hot tag uh, for Tam. She ends up getting, all three of them end up getting outside on the floor after like, Tam somehow gets them to mess up and they both end up over the top rope. Tam hits the ropes, trying to knock both of them out. They end up ro- gra- grabbing her and dragging her over. So it's it they're all three on the apron and uh Tam's in the middle and she's out here catching hell from both sides. And at some point, uh Julia has Tam's uh Tam by the arms, uh, and Nespoy goes for a super kick. Now uh Tam ducks. Natsupoy pulls off the super kick. Tam rolls back into the ring. And as uh, she rolls back into the ring, Na- and Natsupoy and uh, Julia are like, oh, y'all almost hit the super kick. They, they take a second. And then after that, like, Natsupoy just super kicks uh, Julia. And then they zoom into to both of their, Julia and uh, Natsupoy's face. And, it, and it's, it gets dramatic. And, like, you forget that, like, Natsupoy is, like, 26, but she looks like she's, like, a, a, like a 13-year-old. And they zoom in on her eyes. She has, like, the big fucking Disney eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever mm-hmm. seen, like, how they make, uh, like, innocent, quote-unquote, innocent-looking characters, they make their eyes bigger to make them look more innocent? Like, she has those eyes. Anyway... Uh, she grabs, uh, she gets up grabbing Julia and she screams out, Tam, Tam gets, is looking around like, what the fuck? And she's like, all right, fine. She gets into the, she gets out of the apron. She points at Julia. I don't know what she said. She said something. I don't know what she said. I'm assuming it's like payback some mother. And she super kicks her. And then Nessa point Germans to Julia on her fucking a dome piece on the apron, and then she, Julia. Look, Julia. I, I know she hates Tam's guts right now. You know what she hates more? Fucking elimination matches. <laughs> she never. She's like one in forty nine in them shits. Anyway, Julia Bro. gets eliminated, and then uh, NASA point rolls off the ri- rolls out the ring herself off the apron, and, t- and uh, the Cosmic Angels wins, and everybody in Domino Mondo is looking like, holy shit, you turn on us. They're, why? Why the fuck would you do this? So, uh, Tam and Julie, or Tam and Nas would make eyes at each other. They get in the ring, um, and uh, Nasty Poi then addresses Donald Domando and says, uh, "Rough translation stuff like, um, I felt like I was 
a I felt like I was like the Donna Del Mondo mascot and pet. I'm no one's ma- a mascot and pet. And like there is something I don't know about that about her, but there is something about like the pet stuff in uh stardom with in factions. Like you have either as like Gory Chan, beat your chest, da da da, two dimensional character. You have Death as like Saki Kashima's, you know, pet animal. There is some of that in Stardom. There's not much of it. There is some of that too. That I don't know. I don't know if people will actually. Maybe it's because Starlight Kid back in Stars. Ah, uh, yes, yes, in Stars, he's the mascot. Yes, yes, An- another example. Um, I never picked up that vibe for Donna Romano, but she said it. Whatever. Maybe people were saying that domestically as the fan base. I don't know. So, um, she says, I'm no one's pet, blah, 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 uh, whatever else. I'm my own person. And like, I feel like I reached a, a plateau in my career with Donald Amondo being the way things are. And I feel like I can do more, uh, revolutionizing cosmic angels, uh, with high speed. And like, I just want to, I like, I did what I, uh, wanted to do everything I want to do in Donald Amondo, but I want to be with Tam and cosmic angels. Uh, so Julia comes in, she, in like, she took it like a G because like, of course, Julia is a G. Uh, she went down like this when, uh, Shuri and Mariah left. She was pissed until like, she realized that like, she couldn't just say what she wanted to say t- in front of Shuri because Shuri, you know, y- you got to play mind control with Shuri. But anyway, um, she was like, look, uh. I can't remember what her, she was basically disappointed, but like, if you want to leave, I can't stop you. I can't force you to be with me. Uh, and then they went around to the other member, not like, not in that way. Uh, but then it went around to everybody else. Uh, like Hemeka was like really hurt because obviously that's the closest person she was with too in Donna Domondo. And then, you know, their history in at Rest Guild before they both ended up eventually in Star in 2020. Uh, Micah was pissed on behalf of Hameka. Was like, I can't believe you did this to Hameka. And, like, not even about, like, our relationship as my Hameka but, like, this was your ace and, like, you just left her like this. Uh, she was, so she was pissed at her. Um, my Sakurai, she was kind of like, I can't really say much because, like, I don't want to start this faction hopping shit between these two factions. So I'm gonna say that's sad and walk away. And then, uh, Tekla, uh, she was too choked up and crying to say anything. She was just disappointed. And that's one of the things that I, that, that I, uh, just logistically, I thought kind of was a bit of a bummer. Them, her moving is because like they had just started before she got hurt last month. They had started doing like a Nasapoy Tekla tag team thing. That was really fun. And I would love to have seen them wrestle, uh, FWC, but so much for that, maybe in a couple years, but, um, so they all leave. Um, Julia like consult is like consoling Tekla as they walk off with the cry face. So it's like it's funny because like now it is is very reminiscent of like when they walked off after Mai ends up leaving uh, for Donald Mondo and like Tam is walking with an inconsolable Waka. Like it's 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 like it's like beat for beat like the same exact shots. Anyway, um, so. Tam offers her a chance to be in Donald Armando. Nat's point feels sad. Tam consoles her and says, thank you for everything you've done for me. She's basically like, you threw my biggest op in the mud. I will love you forever for what you've done for me. <laughs> this shit was fucking hilarious. So, um, 
they didn't they didn't like celebrate or whatever else and and they talking about like now there's nine of us uh we it are sure we, look like they were celebrating when they was flicking up in the ring huh they, they sure look like they were celebrating when they was flicking up in the ring all together I, smiling i just said that they turned it around didn't i no no, like I thought you said, they 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 weren't celebrating. They weren't celebrating at first until they eventually turned it around. I forgot, but I don't know what was said to turn turn around the, the mood of the thing. I think it was. I think they may have just given the mic to Mina. I can't remember, but um, basically, <laughs> so from there they they re- reintroduce themselves, and now there's nine of them. They're as deep as the Wu Tang, and uh, like. I had I had a bunch of jokes, but basically uh, the best one I, I came up with was uh, here we go uh, from the from the stars of the cosmos. Uh, cosmic color strikes again. The Mina, the Hakari, Old Dirty Saki, Yuko Sakurai, Unagi the Assessor, Waka, Tam Nakano, and the Nasapoi. So. <laughs> So it's so they 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 have they have done it they have done it uh, they have Tam has officially uh, gotten to nine they are officially the the the, the uh, uh, what do you want whatever you want to call them the Wu Tang Angels whatever you want to call them but they officially I, oh I know what I want to call them the Cosmic Devils the cosmic that's that's, devils. that's what they are so, the Cosmic Devils so Julia uh, has a woman book can I jump in now good. Julia has to whoop both of their ass. I'm never rooting for Tam and and Nasa Boy to live happily ever after. Fuck that shit. Like that shit is whack. Like all that shit that they did. Like they beat the fuck out of each other two weeks ago. She didn't wrestle anything in this match. Like they were um uh she didn't show any type of like hesitancy, restraint. It's just on a dime. She decides to turn on her. Uh yeah. Nasa Boy is running from the grind. Um she, she is uh looking she looks so pie for this like you already you got your big win over this woman and then you want to run right back up underneath her i'm like people wanted to bitch about adam cole being in the unit with kenny omega well how about this shit right here like like what the fuck is this like i I, like i I can't speak for what happens to other promotions but what i will say to you is this Um, i can't believe i'm rooting for julia now i i did not imagine this. this though Correct, J- Julia. Fuck them up. Like I, this like, is the point. Oh, this. this is the point. Of this. So for me, or not for me, but uh, stardom in because they 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 get this shit from Dragon Gate where they do these turns this way, where it's like someone will wrestle an entire whole match and then the la- very last second they'll turn on who on their partners and then they'll join the other faction. Like this happened uh, just in December with Momo and uh, leaving QQ to go to. I hated that then. I don't like this either. Like, what I like about this is what it sets up. The actual execution of it is stupid, just like the one with Momo was. You wrestle a whole 20 fucking minutes, and then, oh, I changed my mind. The matches from like last week we just did. And then, like, I guess I was begrudgingly right when I said, I guess they wanted to be together too. Like, you were right. But the the thing is, it's stupid. Like, why go through the whole match if you're going to just turn? that and it's like y'all just went to fucking war like what's the point of like like joining up together it's like y'all are supposed to like well people beat, be well, cool. people, people beat each other up all the time and then being teams and wrestling that's not the thing the real thing is like you set up a match where the same thing with the with the momo and uh the momo turn right where it's like you set up this match to be a blow off for this to, 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 
the singles thing then lured, lured in because it was so violent or disruptive to uh, both factions that both factions get dragged into it. Like in this case of Starlight Kid and Momo, it was whoever loses has to join the other's faction. And this, it was like, this is like another Donald Oman, no Cosmic Angels thing or whatever else. And that's fine. They have this match on pay-per-view and then like the, the, there is no payoff of we find out who was the best. Just somebody turn on the other one and we go forward from there. And that sucks. The only thing I like about this is like what it sets up of people getting elevated off of the turn of people being let moved out of one promotion or one uh, faction to the next. But as far as like doing this match and then like what we got as the resolution that when they do these, those all suck just fundamentally. You, you there's this no was, way to get out of that. This was wholly unsatisfying. Like with the, um, them two having those two matches. Right. And then now I see this and I'm like, Oh, like after like I was like, you know, like you, you grow to kind of like NASA boy, you see Tam's like a killer and shit. And then it's like, oh, y'all are evil on the other side of this. And I don't I don't think the intention is for them to be evil. No, I mean, or but, anything, but well, but, not not evil, but bad baby faces or shitty baby faces. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm all, and I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, I, I just come back to what the fuck was the point of those two matches that it is. It is like, oh, y'all, this is y'all way to declare love for each other. I'm like, I'm straight. Cosmic Devils, uh, fuck y'all, Julia, run them over. Like, yeah, that, so that, that's where um, I'm at. So, uh, what was I gonna say? Um, what was I gonna say? I can't remember, but uh, not yeah. honorable. Oh, yeah, 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 that's what I was gonna say. So, um, from the perspective of when we were talking about this, um, in messaging or whatever else, uh, as far as you saying like you know what you just said about you don't you know they're shitty baby faces more or less for for doing this, like turnabout's fair play and then uh, I was mentioning like you know beginning of the year, NASA or Julia being an asshole steals my Sakurai and then your point was, well she's a geek and I was like well y- that may think about what that means like you set this whole thing up like the whole part of them doing that match in that way fuck that whatever but. As far as uh, the story of people, Tam and Julie hate each other so much that they're pushing other like faction members. Um, Donna, like this whole Julia Tam thing started off the part where like started off the part where like Julia brings in like the top killers outside of Stardom or some of them and brings them into the promotion. Tam is the number two in in her uh, faction. I'm I'm in faction when I said uh, Julian. Shuri and Micah came together. They were a faction. So, Tam starts as number two in her own faction. She then leaves her own faction, starts up with a bunch of geeks. And they're going back and forth. And this is literally like the Harlem Globetrotters versus the <laughs> Washington Generals, except like the Washington Generals have like one all-star on their team. Or mm-hmm. I got a better example for you. It is like the two thousand is like two thousand eighteen Warriors versus the two thousand eighteen Cavs. That's what it's that's what it's like, right? Not to say that Tam is LeBron James Pro Wrestling, not doing that at all. But like that is the situation, and then while that is a, that is the status quo, Julia then brings in Tekla and Mirai, and also says, "I also want to poach uh, uh, my from Cosmic Angels." Like, wait a second, so you have everything, and you're just fucking with me because you're that much of an asshole? Okay, so then like flash forward to months pass, Mirai and uh, Shuri both leave on their own to start 
uh, God's Eye, Donna Nomano's closer to down to Earth or closer to Earth from everybody else, but they're still light years beyond <laughs> of they're not light years, but they're still far ahead of Cosmic Angels, uh, top to bottom. So then Nasapoi in like decides, I'm out of here. I'm going over here. Like, it is poetic in that way. And also, like, Julia does deserve this because, like, she had everything and still decided, I want to still want to fuck with Tam even more with, by taking her big, her second biggest geek out of her geek faction. Like, so for me, that all works for me, except for the part where it's like, you did the whole Russell for X however many, for over 15 minutes and then do the heel turn at, or not heel turn, the face turn at the end that make both baby face or make both baby faces that are uh, in this thing look like dicks, even though like it's very similar to the Adam Cole, Adam Page thing where it's like, you whoop me with a belt and now I'm going to whoop you with a belt. But people don't remember that you whooped me with a belt originally. So now like people think that I'm the dick. Or it's like, nah, turn about fair play. You, you started this shit, you played in that dirt and now you in the mud. It isn't what it is. But, uh, I think it's interesting for from the perspective of that's cool what they're doing and what they'll end up being as as far as the babyface faction. But Donald Omondo, they have no Shiri, no Nasapoi, no Mirai, no belts. Donald Omondo like loses on uh, pay per view with regularity now, and like. I think it's interesting to actually see Julia will have something to actually have some adversity. She's never really had it in stardom. Like she lost her hair and then like she was a fucking tag champion a month ago, a, a month later. So in, in the main event. So I think that this is setting up for her a, a great chance to redeem herself or show the kind of leader she actually is. And she already kind of started stowing that by like the way she cares about uh, uh, my, I think Donna that this Del sets Mondo. up for her to be like, I think this sets up for her to like have a huge run in the Grand Prix, even though I think she already is probably going to win anyway. I think this actually gives her like reason to get behind her. Besides, like she's always had everything now, so it's like there's and there's she has to overcome stuff. I think this is cool for her. The only people that have lost more talent than Donna Del Mondo is New Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> when AEW started. That's fucking hilarious. That's a good line. <laughs> Why? Uh, uh, I mean, they what? They still have. I mean, they were seven deep at one point, right? No, eight deep. They were eight deep at one point. Now they're at five. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're at five now. They're at eight now. They're at five. Yeah. Um. Go, Julia. Go, go, Julia. Yeah. Um, so, uh, semi-main, uh, there was nothing else after that. Yeah, yeah, so, um, semi-main event, white belt, Kasaya Kamatani versus Starlight Kid. Um, a lot of people like this match a lot more than I do. I gave this four and a quarter, uh, but if you do not care about the things that annoyed me in this match, I can see why people loved this match. I see um, great ratings on this. I, last night's show was like 8.96 or something like that. Yeah, um, I don't think this is one of the best matches in Star. I don't think this is like one, the tip top, like one of the very best matches in Star this year, but I think it's like four and a half type of thing. Th- uh, but it comes I down think, to taste. I, I and, think Saya Kamatani is on a super roll, super yeah, hot is. streak. She is. Um, 
this match actually this reminded me. Of I actually like the Mariah match more than this, though. Yeah. I, this match actually reminded me, like, I have a personal story to share, like, kind of about this match when I was watching it. So when I was watching it, I was seeing uh, Starlight Kid kind of try to impose her will on on the bigger, uh, you know, kind of more like maybe aloof, like a, a opponent or whatever in <laughs> Saya Kamatani. Um <laughs> And like the thing was like she kept like you know trying, but then what happened was like Saya Kamatani would like meet her like on the level she wanted to get to. So that that kind of reminded me like back when I was a kid, like when I used to do karate or whatever, and like my mom like and I was like you know kind of like a tall lanky kid or whatever, and this is like maybe when I'm like eight nine years old or whatever and i remember there was a tournament i was in one time um and i was kind of matched with this kid who was a little bit smaller than me but like you know just kind of being aggressive and like fidgety around you know in between you know the the competitions and stuff like that and and my mom always wanted me to outwardly kind of show like the toughness or whatever you know and i didn't like you know i was just like yeah, whatever like i'll compete whenever i compete like that's how i was thinking and then like the kid like you know he I, I maybe he thought that i was a pushover or whatever but i we ended up you know it was a it was a sparring you know joint so you you get the three points it was kind of like karate kid or whatever but uh-huh. you got the headgear you got the joint on and then like once he found out that like his um you know like demeanor and like you know his aggressiveness didn't bother me or something like he was getting pissed and like ripping his gi off so he was just in his t-shirt but you know i ended up winning and i was just so like, basically hey. i did like a basically as like a high school football player that's really good in miami like the trash talking didn't work or whatever else in the yeah. my games didn't work and then he has to like just play right and then like you know when it came to it like and i think when in this match they had to kind of just play and then like size overwhelmed her like (laughs) that's what that's what i was uh getting out of this i mean that is uh, i mean that's a bit of story she's not on her level right now but uh that's the story they're they're going for that's the story they told and i thought they told it very much uh, or a lot better after like the first six minutes of the match um i just felt like you know like i remember you saying like you you saw a some relation or connection uh, of like Saya Kamatani and Rissa Hoshiki and I, I have like I've never before thought of those two other than like they're both kind of tall for Joshi mm-hmm. until this match and like the connection was oh I'm gonna get my leg worked over in like forever in, in this excruciating way to where like now I have to sell this thing and then like from there for the rest of the duration of this match I'm going to pick and choose when and when I don't sell and like for someone and it's going to annoy the, the hell out of James Boyd and probably only James Boyd. And that's what this match was. And I was like, why? Why hit her on the knee with a fucking chair when you know her finish is a Phoenix Splash? You know you want her to win with a Phoenix Splash. And not only do you want her to win a Phoenix Splash, you want her to sell her fucking knee when she lands a Phoenix Splash. Whatever. Uh Nat or sorry, a kid did a did a a ton of work in the first like six, seven minutes of this match on her knee. Like I said, on the, on the vertical, or sorry, her horizontal ramp, uh, put a chair on, or put the chair across her knee, uh, or sorry, chair shot on the knee. Uh, so to set up 
uh, um, her new or Starlight Kid's new uh, submission move. She calls a um, black ti- or dark tiger leg destroyer. It's a stretch muffler with a leg choke. Um, so she uh, King tries to get it one time, doesn't get it. Come time to fights back. Uh, tries to fight for it again, or uh, King tries to get it again at some point, doesn't get it. Finally gets it. It's a huge near fall. Eventually, Kamatani gets the ropes. And then Kamatani, like, th- up throughout this match at different points, either I think at times, like, she's selling it, she's selling her knee well, and other times it's like, uh, it, what? Um, so, but either way, I think personally, like, this isn't the match I wanted to see out of these two. Um, and I quite frankly think if they had like nine other shots at it, I feel like they have a better match like eight other times. And this is saying this for a match that a lot of people think are like four and a half. That's how talented they are. And or that's how talented Starlight Kid is. And that's like what Kamatani can do in a big match setting uh, at this point. Um, she Her third anniversary of wrestling is in August. She's, she's better she's, than any woman in America right now. Easily. Like she's like... Well, I think she's got wrestler of the year buzz in stardom. Um, She'd be number two for me. Like the white, her matches are like undefeated. Like, and it feels like it has been that way for like over seven months. Her like, worst match would be the, her worst matches. Her title matches year would be the Unagi match. It started out horribly. And she still ended up at like three and three quarters. Yeah. That's her worst match. Yeah, like she's she's a problem. Like yeah, <laughs> so like she's well, at this we've point, arrived. She's, she's just a consistent like four and a quarter to four and a half. I think her best match is still that Tam match, but that's like that might be three and three quarters. It's three and a half plus easily. But either way, like that's where she is now. Um, in sing in uh singles matches. So after she uh, gets the win, and and this was a important uh thread thread or whatever else is after um Kamatani puts her away with the um Phoenix Splash that she no sold her panties whatever. Uh Kid is inconsolable. She's crying. She wrote and oh like my they God. Kid, she it was like like she was gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. She's like I wrestled a perfect basically like I wrestled a perfect match. I outbest I bested her. I I took out I, I basically you know, chop half the tree, kept her, kept the bigger wrestler off a vertical base, and then she just no sold my shit and beat me anyway. I'm fucking frustrated. She, now, obviously, I'm throwing my editorial shit up, but she's like, I did everything perfectly, I still lost. I'm just not good enough. I, I'm frustrated, and I've done everything. I've made, you know, makes character changes, blah, blah, blah. She says uh, parts of this, like, in a post-match thing, where, like, she's crying because she's, like, upset that she felt like this was her time to break through. This is a, this is her third time to, uh... You think of the run she's had, like came in a year with the uh, with the high speed belt, uh, won the tag belts, won the trios belt. She's still the trios champion. Like she's always had a belt on her all throughout the year, except for like maybe a week all throughout the year. And like you see, like eventually, like well, this whole thing was like the, in the crying room, basically like letting you know, like her next defense, she's probably winning. Um, who knows when it is, but like she's next up to get the belt. Like this is part of the, the explaining, like the how desperation of the chase and what does it take her to to get to the white belt um i think that's cool uh i, I would have you know the party is like at this point is like well you're a shit you're like the biggest terrorist in the in the, show, in the promotion though like, i'm supposed to feel sorry for you when you're fucking with people constantly all right whatever uh but yeah like um 
I don't. Uh, they're in the same uh, block. They're both in the blue block, so they're going to get this match. And um, I'm assuming there's going to be a rematch at some point. But like, um, if you see Starlight Kid versus Kamatani for the white belt in a big match scenario in the next, um, you know, in, or not in, like in a you know year end show like December, or if they do some big fall show, whatever else, if she's in there, like she's even more fit than she was here to win this. Like, there's not much of a story left to be told. And, like, quite frankly, at this point with Kamatani, they hold this belt on her because, like, there's a holding pattern until she finally gets to the red belt because she's red belt material at this point, the way she's wrestling. Yeah. So, um, I think, quite frankly, like, Stardom has their next four champions, like, already in some form or fashion. Like, like Julia, Tam, uh, Utami for a second run, and Kamatani as probably their next four red belt champions. Uh, so they got in the stone in a similar fashion, like how we used to talk about like those AEW world champions in the future. Um, and then the main event, uh, Oh, sh- whoa, whoa, before oh, you did that, Nanai Takahashi oh, yeah, emerges yeah. from the cracks. Even before that, even before that. So, so she, uh, she asked for next offender or next, uh, challenger. Second Saki comes out from colors or cosmic colors. And she says she wants title shot. She ends up getting it for the, uh, July 24 pay-per-view. And then um, on, and then after that, now keep in mind, like I've seen some Nanai Takahashi in All Japan Women's, but I don't remember her music. So I hear the music, and I was like, this sounds familiar. This sounds like some AJW shit, but I can't remember who it is. And then the night comes, I was like, oh, okay. Bro, I was like, what the fuck is Nanai <laughs> Takahashi doing here when she walked out? <laughs> so, like, what is, what is so and so doing in the Impact Zone? So uh, she comes out. And she says, like, uh, remember how, you know, you had you had your interaction with uh, Kyrie um, in Osaka a few weeks ago and she talked about a tag match. Well, I'm her tag partner, uh, you know, and like it's funny to like to look at the translations of like Nanai's like promo, because like when she her her like greetings, because her greetings is like. Welcome, like, hello everyone. I am, I am, uh, Joshi Pro Wrestler and Treasure to Pro Wrestling. <laughs> the Night It's something along those lines. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, it, it, she goes to her spill saying what I just said about, like, I'm Kyrie's tag partner and you need to find your tag partner or whatever else. So I'm like, you know, they show pictures of Nanai and Tommy early in the year, like on her Twitter of like, them hanging out. So it's like, I would like to see a match between those two. So I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be Tommy versus, you know, seven Kyrie. Right, the you know the tag team. Nope, Lady C. She she felt her inner unagi and she hopped in the ring and said, "I want I, I want to be in this match." So I don't know what was said, but like Lady C. Lady uh, C said, "I am the bully." Like yeah, yeah. It was someone lines like, "You're very tall. Don't get close to me." So uh, Lady C kept getting closer. She I think Lady C was like, "I'm the tallest woman in, in Joshi." And like Lady C then gave her one of them one of them big over the top baba chops. And then like Nanai no so that shit and shoved her. It was like, you the fuck you fucking geek? What are you doing? So uh they're gonna uh they're gonna have that match and like uh that match is some interesting to see what happens. I mean I know what's gonna happen, like Lady C's gonna die, but aside from that, as far as like um seeing Kyrie with Kamatani, seeing like Nanai in there with like Kamatani and like what happens going forward with this is as far as like is this just like because uh, now at this point now this will be the third tag match with Kyrie and it seems like the first match was uh, her tag with Mayu then it was tagging with Tam now it's tagging with Kyrie like is this a thing where like she just does like you know almost like one big 
tag match and one like singles match at some point or just or eventually when there's like a double weekend shows or whatever else and then like how many when do we get to the you know the Kyrie and EO tag match when when is that like sooner or later when are we going to get to that will that be the fall or will that be Christmas time who knows Zach said Nanaya and Kyrie better come out on the bike again <laughs> okay I gotta okay so you're gonna make me go through like my meme bank that's like however long I saw someone like send that out I saw someone send that video out and uh, um I saw it I was like did James make that like no. and it was like the with the rolling 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 right, right, rolling right right no I found it years ago and then like okay. I, just, I just kept it saved so that's what I'm looking for like is uh, of uh Kyrie on her motorcycle coming to the Corican Hall with an eye and like someone like over their music uh, their team is to put in like the Undertaker, American Deadass, uh, American Badass, uh, version of Biscuit Rolling, uh, and it was fucking hilarious. Like I gotta try and find that again, but like I, I hope that's what we get. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that that should be fun. Uh, and then we end up getting to the main event, uh, Shiri versus Momo. Um, this match isn't as good as. Obviously, isn't as good as their final of the Grand Prix last year, but oh. I thought this match was still great, and like I enjoyed this match like every bit as much as I enjoyed the summer main event. Um, I saw a lot of people were upset with this, but then I also looked at like some of their comments, and it was like, "Oh, it's the it's the Momo Jungle Kiona, my favorite thing." So like, I don't care about what those people that gave this thing a five on cage match thought. So whatever. Um, I think this is their second best match together with each other. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, I think there is some weird things about it. Same way. I have same issues with, um, the, uh, selling thing with commentary in the, in the summer semifinal. Like the whole thing is, you know, Momo has taken out two people with this wrench so far this year on accident. Both times were on accident, but she, you know, the two times she's actually used it. She has, uh, legitimately injured uh people like when she kicked she loaded the 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 wrench into the side of her kick pad and then she punt kicked azumi and she punt kicked azumi so hard that like they thought her nose was broken but she only had missing like a week of wrestling um and then uh she used the wrench to she was supposed to cover it and she was supposed to like clock with her fist covering the wrench she's supposed to clock nasapoi she ended up like uh, grabbing it or getting it from uh, Roaka so late that she just swung it without having regard for covering it, end up busting open Nats putting back of her head like a month ago. Or, yeah, like close to a month ago, a few weeks ago. Um, and she was busted open. So, like, they used, they, they built this wrench thing where, like, in the press conference, they beat her up and threatened it, like, I'm not using this wrench. So she loads, the, she loads up the gimmick inside her kick pad and then punt kicks Shuri and then goes for the pin. There's no like delay between it. She punt kicks her with a loaded boot and then Shuri just fucking kicks because you need a gun to be Shuri. Bro, when, when she gave her the bro. three fucking uh, black peat suplexes and like looked right. in the camera and it was like, man, fuck her. Three suplexes? Fuck her. Like, right. that's what was all over her face, bro. Right. When Momo came out, I was like, bro, Momo looks like her life is falling apart. Like, in the entrance, like, we're like, she is a, she is a, a, a high school kid that now smokes that. <sighs> 
that is just like going through very tough times and is constantly in the guidance counselor's office. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if she she should get an award for how much she looks like she's just downtrodden. Like, just life is just gone wrong for her. She looks miserable. It looks like this part of the this like on purpose. It's intentional. Like she looks that miserable. Um. So. So the thing for me, right? Think about it is like, all right, she. Okay, she survived the the punt kick with the loaded boot. Okay, Shuri, Superwoman, fine, whatever. She survives the three the three consecutive uh, peace sunrise suplexes. Okay, fine, she's Superwoman. She's whatever else. Momo then goes up to give her the peach bomb, where like you, you know you lift her up from the pump handle position and flip her forward like a you know or whatever else. JML driver. Okay, I, I didn't know it was called JML driver. So. Shuri, Shuri desperate is then desperately escapes out of there because that one's the one that's gonna put her away. Nothing was gonna put her the fuck away. Get the fuck out of my face. I ain't, I ain't buying that bullshit. Just, look, Shuri could Shuri she just got up after that third uh third um peace sunrise and been like, You can't beat me. Kick her in the face, kick her in the face, uh give her emerald explosion and beat her. Ain't no need to get her up for just like, oh, if she if she kicked her in the face with a fucking wrench. <laughs> to the face and she kicked out she beat the three suplexes if she had hit this one move she would have got it so therefore next time they have a match if she's just one move she's gonna win no the fuck it's not gonna happen uh, look maybe, maybe Mo- Momo's never going to beat Shiri for the red belt it's not happening maybe Momo should go back to holding the coats you know in Queen's Quest you know I, look um I think this was her, was this her fifth or her sixth challenge for the Red Belt? I remember going through, like, stardom history, and, like, mm. I was looking at people, was like, if you if you get past five without ever winning a, a, a red or white belt or whatever else, you're never getting it. And I think, yeah, because, like, whichever one it was, like, it, I think she was get. I think this is her fifth one. Like, so this is the one where it's like, it's probably never happening unless something drastically changes. Like, I know she's, no I know she's 22, I know she's 22, and she's still young and has time on her side, and she's still, like, in my opinion, I think she's still the uh, top three worker in the company, but... Zach said Momo is in the Goto zone. Yeah, that's where I'm getting at. I, I think this, Ooh. I think they just, I think they just closed the door on her forever. I, th- I have the sneaking yeah. suspicion that they just closed the door on her forever with this one. Like, and I don't know, physically it feels like she let herself go a little bit, too. Like I, I didn't want to get into that because I think her wrestling is still at the level. Um, so yeah. I don't. But whatever. Uh, I, I I don't I don't feel comfortable talking about that. But yeah. Whatever. But yeah, she um. <laughs> Should we do a eulogy on the part where she can't be the champion? Because it feels like it's done. It feels like she has been officially go-toed. Yeah. Cause like yeah. Uh, you, you see, and then you can also feel like the way people were rating this thing is like, oh, like, and then you see the way they're commenting on it's like, oh, this isn't about what you thought of how good the match was or was it is about the part where you're like your favorite it's has over. had the door, yeah, it's been the, the door, the window's been shut closed on her at 22, and she has like probably another decade of wrestling left, and you just know it's over, like she's been jungle keyoned. Man, sad. Yeah, um, <laughs> like like bro, when I saw her coming to the ring, I was like. Bro, she looks, she looks depressed. <laughs> it, 
like JML, not JML driver, but JML was saying this that he thought that Mama was going to win, and I was like, I, I, I've like I never saw it in that way to where like the the but the the booking was committed to her in that way. Like as a tag team with Starlight Kid, sure, but like the thing is, the person they're pushing and that, and that tree and that duo is Starlight Kid. Um, and it's easy to be confused to thinking that it's, it's both of them is like, nah, cause like if it were, they would have came up with something, a big singles match for her to win in that way. And like, I appreciate the part where she got the match with Azuki in March and beat her, but Azuki's not big enough to say, I have now staked my claim that I'm going to now be a future red or white belt champion. Like NASA boy beating Tam is uh, in that singles match after getting her ass whooped in the cage match is far more declarative of that kind of statement that she could be a white belt champion than beating Hazuki. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, like, I don't know what to, what, yeah. what to say about it sucks. Momo. It point. sucks. Cause I, I, I really enjoy watching Momo every single weekend. So, or, you know, sorry, Jeremy weekend, but I think <sighs> don't do this. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> All right, we ended, we ended it just on that. There's nothing else, there's nothing else to talk about. Like, uh, We're going to have to uh, punt Tokyo Joshi until next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it next week. I haven't even watched that show, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, as I mentioned before, Sarm has three brands. New Blood one, or Blue, the New Blood thing was the second one. The third one they're doing is uh, called Stardom in Showcase's third brand. That will be the day before the next pay-per-view uh, and stardom and it's basically just like gimmick matches or whatever else uh on the card so uh, there's four matches announced right now the on the 23rd um there is a shuri mri versus risa sarah not risa sarah, but uh two people in prominence that's not risa sarah or um or uh suzuki i think it's a kani fujita and um they're heavy i can't remember her name um but it's an I Quit match, and that was set up during New Blood uh, 3 on Friday. And then um, also the set up on New Blood 3 is a hardcore match with Julia and Mai versus Risa Sarah and Suzu. So, like, RIP Mai, you're going to die. Uh, there's also a four-way match with uh, Tam, Kaguma, Azumi, I can't remember who the fourth person is, but it is a four-way falls count anywhere match, so that'll be shenanigans, because it could go in it. Who knows what the fuck will happen? And uh the I think the main event is Kamatani and Starlight Kid versus the Grim Reaper in a cos- in a coffin match. A coffin match. A coffin match. A so- Dan coffin match. <laughs> So, like, that's the kind of shenanigans they're going to have on this uh, Stardom and Showcase match. Like, I think this is their way to, like, be able to do, like, the kind of things they want, that Prominence wants to wants to do and Julia wants to do without having to be Stardom because they don't want that shit to, like, fuck up them trying to draw if they do get, you know, do kind of ridiculous stuff that accidentally gets blood and they don't want, and there's a no blood rule in Stardom. So, or from Bushi Road or, or, or no uh, credence. There is a no, like, no blood is allowed on purpose. So, uh, in case something happens, like, that was not stardom. That was stardom in showcase. <laughs> so, that, I think that's how they're trying to get away with that. But, uh, but yeah, that is pretty much the stardom uh, talk for, for now. So, we'll get, talk about Touch Your Pro next weekend. Or next week. 
Yeah, uh, Retrogram says you can have people that can't win the big belt that are excellent, like Ishii or Momo. Right. If every top champion is goat tier. When you get mo- the motherfucking evil type dudes winning the big one, that's when we got problems. And that's what I keep trying to say to people when they do the my favorite thing and well, but promotions like if you make it to where anyone can win the title, then what does it actually mean? Right? Like, and then like in some promotions, the secondary and tertiary belts have to matter. And I think that's the reason why like stardom, I think is cool, even though it has so many belts is like all these belts serve a purpose and there's all have their all distinct, distinct divisions. And like people have their own goals. Like that future belt, like, imagine starting without a future belt. Like, what the fuck would Hannon be doing? Like, what would mm-hmm. some of these women be gearing up to? Like, without, imagine, like, imagine no futures belt and no new blood. Oh, there's not here just to fucking be on the pre show in Battle Royals or Gauntlets or whatever else and then get discarded and get told to get the fuck on. How yeah. do you get better that way? Um, like, the high speed thing. Like, so yeah, like, once you have like you know belts and divisions and like somebody winning something at the top of the card like that means something that like to win the red belt or to win win the white belt as opposed to like oh everybody all got this like nah you get this shit you're probably champ for like nine months oh a couple more comments uh uh, Retrograms at TJPW Summer Sun Princess, TJPW Grand Princess, Stardom Flash and Champions, and Stardom World Climax Day 2 are all top 10 shows of the year at least. Um, James said, or Sam says, I remember uh, you telling me about all the Momo fans. James, there's going to be some sad folk. He said, um, when people like Liv Morgan win your belt, for example, to your previous point, uh, he then asked, who is the Liv Morgan equivalent in each wrestling promotion? The floor is yours, Rich. Fuck. Uh, well, in, in stardom, it's it's Wakasukiyama. Uh, for <laughs> wait, sure. wait, 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 wait. For sure. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. You think Liv is the worst? She's not good. That's not that's not what I asked. There's a lot of sorry. Like is she worse than Dana she, Brooke, for example? No. She's not worse than Dana Brooke. Well then how could well then how could she be Walker there? Because Walker is the worst in stardom. Hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily like mm, I don't know. Are you going um, by skill or are you going by like energy of patheticness? I guess the energy of patheticness uh, for <laughs> me and, and like geekdom. And, geekdom and like, you know, a skill at times. Like, I feel like the skill has to be enough. Like there has to be an argument there. Um, man. Um, I guess in AEW and I'll look at the women's division. Uh, I'm going to have to pull that up, Sam, uh, if you'll bear with me. Okay, so who would be the worst uh, women's wrestler in AEW? Like, I think the bottom of the barrel people would kind of be like, I think I'm going to have to start with Abaddon. Yeah, like Abaddon. Um, and then after that, I don't know where I'd go. Okay. But the thing um, is, given how bad that women's division is in, in the main roster, like, is Liv actually, like, one in the bottom tier of women's wrestlers in WWE at this point? Or is she, like, kind of in the middle? She's probably like migrated her way to the middle just yeah. by like, you know, people like Sasha and Naomi no longer being there. So like you by yeah. default move up. Um yeah. Julia Hart is pretty rot. Julia Hart is Liv Morgan. <laughs> in <laughs> WW and AEW. Okay. Uh like people just are dying for her to be pushed, like for just no real reason at all, except maybe one. Um yeah, that's that's who it is. Blonde, 
all all lines up. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what other companies. Um, is, is my Sakurai too far for start for uh, Liv Morgan to start him, or is she not pathetic uh, enough? I don't think she's pathetic enough. Okay. Uh, she, she at least was Lady able C? to make her own decisions. Nah, Lady C is charming and funny. <laughs> that, I mean, she is funny. That's true. That's true. C. Uh, Yo. So, there's going to be a minute. We're going to talk our heads off trying Yo. to work around this. But we'll, get to, we'll, be, we'll, we'll come up with some answers for this, and we'll talk about it in the uh, Discord. Yeah, C got, you know... She, that's true. Oh, might have to. That's true. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you saw this, but like Akira, Akira Tawe like gave her a jacket or something. I think. See, they see it. They see it in Lady C. Yeah, but better, that's, better, be, that's just because she's doing all the, that's just because she's doing all the fucking Bob moves she was at. They put her in the uh, in that freaking Joshi Bob versus Jumbo Saruta match with her and her mech at uh, Fortune Dream this year. That's, that's only that's pandering. That's, <laughs> oh man! All right, Fuck so with Lady C. Yeah, shout out to Lady C. I wish she. I wish she. Oh, next year, next year, her and Kogo need to be in the Grand Prix. I don't care if they got to expand that shit even further. Like they got to make it. They're gonna be too good by next year not to get in. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's in the show. Thank y'all for listening. Ooh, um, marathon. Yeah, yeah. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this with. If you are watching from the stream, um, go to uh, the links below the the cash app, the PayPal, and drop us off a donation. If you're listening from the podcast, go to our circle and drop us off uh, with a donation from there. And listen to the other shows on the network. Uh, besides One Nation Radio, you have Keeping a Strong Style, the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show. Grown Men Washes Shit, The Grave Consequences, 8-Bit Suplex, All Things Elite, Great Match Generator, Get in the Ring, Meet the Press Slam, and AEW Match Guide. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace.